do not attempt to adjust your settings. We have commandeered this channel and are now streaming our pirate broadcast. This is the pirate stream. Welcome to the Pirate Stream Dialectical Dissidents, episode 20. Joining me as always is Scott Armstrong, Courtney Turner. Mm-hmm. We have a great show planned for you today to go over some of the madness in the world as always. I always, you know, look forward to this with you guys just because, <laughs> you know, we're always so invested in our work and what we're talking about and we get to come together and kind of like, you know, distill this a little bit and have our different conversations. So yeah. I enjoy this. I so always look forward to it. So how are you guys today? What's going on? Good. It's been crazy. I went back to back to Florida. Mm, I was speaking right. at the Reawaken tour two Saturdays ago, and then last Saturday I spoke at a Stu Peters event. Good times. Yeah. And then <laughs> I came back in the middle for like a few days to reshoot the, um, you know, I did that aerial routine. Well, I did yeah. two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cause us, so we filmed it. Uh, because the live stream footage just didn't really come out. Mm, they missed that's it. Too so, bad. so we came back in the middle of all that and filmed that and then went back down. So yeah, I'm glad to be back for a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little <laughs> yeah. quick interval. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I went to go hang out with the Unjected crew out in Maui for a couple that's weeks. Right, like, that's that right. Awesome. Very so jealous of that. And back and very refreshed and yeah. ready to get back into the information war. Yeah. God, I yeah. really do miss Hawaii. Every, every, time, every time I thought of you there, I was like, man, I need to go yeah, back to Hawaii. That was great, man. Like, we got to tour the, the jungles, the beach. Yeah, so Maui is something special. Of, did a lot of work, too. You know, we got a lot of, a lot of stuff going. Right, we got right. the new book out, shopunjected.com. Yep. We got the new Burn Back nice. Better book out. Now, yeah. So. As I understand it, a couple of our interviews are mentioned in there. Shelby and I will be doing a follow up. I think we're scheduled for next week. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So we yeah. did the focus like on the soil tack and a couple yeah. things she was saying. I, I haven't read it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Check it out because it's, it's a good, it was it called uh, Burn Back Better, it's a, right? Yeah, it's called Burn Back Better, Lahaina, Perfect Storm or Perfect Crime. Nice. Um, and it's pretty comprehensive. I got to write a few passages and edit it. And it's like, it's like everything from like the buildup, you know, the, the, what happened on the day of the fire, mm-hmm. um, all the possible like theories and explanations for what caused it. And then kind of the aftermath and the nice. cover up and just so much, like pretty much all the information we can compile into one text. And yeah, it's really pretty awesome. Nice. Lots nice. of, lots of citations, lots of photos, lots of, uh, exclusive like testimonial from people like mm-hmm. boots on the ground from her friends and stuff there so outstanding like, yeah, so Man, good well, stuff. congratulations to her sure that's yeah. it's a big moment to have your you know first yeah, book published exactly. so that's yeah, awesome thank yeah. you for, for being a part of it yeah, yeah, yeah right. exactly exactly well let's let's get started with a couple of uh interesting things i wanted to share now we i, I have obviously my my mind's focused on the israel palestine conversation we're going to go into a couple interesting discussions about artificial intelligence and ukraine but I want to start with the with an opening, a couple opening points that I thought were interesting. First, I just wanted to point this out because I thought it was funny. So my birthday is not today. I don't know if you guys know this. Not today. I, it's April second. It's not secret. But I, I have my Twitter account as uh, you know. I'm obviously wasn't born in Hill Valley, California, and my birthday is not today. But it's a nod to the uh, Back to the Future. I just think that's funny that they uh, don't know that. And I guess maybe I'm going to get censored because I have my wrong birthday so in there. today's your Twitter birthday? My Twitter yeah. birthday is today. What, what's the significance? What is it? It's no, so November 5th, 1955 oh, is from yeah. is from Back to the Future. And I've always had it in there. Wait a minute. It's the 5th of November. This is like... Yep. Uh, remember, remember yeah. the 5th of November. Oh, right? oh, oh so okay. Right. So we're taking down, this is our way of taking down the establishment. Yeah. Today. Yeah. Right. There you go. I, you know, I, I, I wondered if we should, I almost thought about doing something, you know, in particular, like it's, it is an interesting historical point to, yeah. you know, talk about and everything. It's always, I just like the idea of, 
I mean, that's kind of what we do, right? Mm -hmm. We, we, it's even overlapping with like the very pirate stream concept. There's very similar, you know, kind of broadcasting just right from the movie talking about vendetta, you know, broadcasting your message through, Mm -hmm. I think that's just, I don't even know if people really grasp like the concept of what the pirate stream, Mm -hmm. what it is, you know, it's, it's pirate radio. That's what we're doing. And I really think we're doing that, especially with the pirate channels too. You know, (laughs) it's important. Definitely. But it's go, so go important now with what they're trying to do, centralize everything. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I don't want to derail the conversation. No, I'll just very quickly mm-hmm. say that I'm seeing, it especially in the alternative media, yeah. you know, they, they talked about, I think in 2020, they've had that whole meeting about how they had to really focus on the alternative media because they were the biggest threats to their <laughs> agenda. Mm-hmm. And sure I enough. unfortunately really see it. And there's a lot of people falling for it. And there's yeah. a lot of really big, kind of uh, outfits that are coming in targeting independent journalists and centralizing it. So, yeah. yeah. Now, well, one, actually one note to that, since you taught, we brought up the point of the independent media and so on, I there, I've been talking with somebody who uh, is, I'm very interested in somebody who was talking about impossible investment or like capital infusion kind of conversation. Mm-hmm, right. And, you know, he started, he wants to start a new company and he was like interested in like picking my brain about it. And I, it's a, it's a po- great possibility. And I'm still yeah. feeling it out to see if, you know, how that would work. But one thing that came up in our conversation, this guy seemed a very genuine person to me sure. is how interested his whole point was. I'm going to rebuild. I want to do this in a way that's not like only mainstream, only the right talking points, you right. know, which I'm like, hell yeah. But what I thought was really fascinating is he brought up this point that apparently this is not a new business and not industry. It's apparently far more prevalent than we realize. And there's these companies that are out there scooping up all like, remember how we talked about and everyone used to know about the multi-channel networks. They're still there, Mm -hmm. but we all have a really bad taste in our mouth about how that went. Right. Apparently there's this like surreptitious movement where they're kind of scooping up all these different groups, buying up all this advert and basically just dumping money into people that we don't know about. Right. Which is not new. That's been happening as far back as you want to look, but apparently it's happening rapidly right now where you're having all, and I, I argue people that don't even realize that they are being influenced by something that might try to change their content or plenty of them that very much do. My point is that we, or you, anybody outside of that have no idea right. where this money's coming from. And even more so then we don't know what that company who that money, the, the larger money is coming from. Like right. there's just so many tentacles trying to control this because they're losing the information war. And I think that's a, yep. an important point to all of this. Yep. Yes. Now, I, I might, I'm going to get into the Israel-Palestine conflict, uh, the occupied Palestine genocide to start off today. But I think what's interesting and one point that I really keep seeing is how much this alone has changed the conversation in general about a lot of different topics. I think that shows us two things, personally. One that shows, in my opinion, the Zionist influence over so much more than we realize that's now going away because people are beginning to see through the, the illusion that's been spread around this conversation and but also the fact that it is showing people like the US government or groups like the US government or foreign you know the European governments are not really who they say they are and I think we know that mm-hmm. right but they don't really believe in human rights they don't really believe and I think it's allowed people and again I'm not trying to say like the United Nations or Amnesty International or groups we should trust we should question everybody all the time but I've noticed the shift like this We've seen Amnesty International really take a hard line in regard to what's going on, pointing out that they're killing civilians and indiscriminately bombing in, in Palestine. That's There was a recent Amnesty report. But similarly, Amnesty, and this is posted by the fourth on WikiLeaks, quote, we call on the UK to refrain from extraditing Julian Assange for the US to drop the charges and for Assange to be freed. Now, they've generally taken a stance on this, like most human rights groups have, but I just think it's interesting that it's 
feeling like they're, they've got momentum and they're now starting to stand on things that, I don't know, that's, that's hard for the U.S. and the U.K. to have the leading human rights groups to be like, you're, you know, holding somebody you shouldn't be and calling for his, you know, I don't know. I, I, just on that one point, am I wrong in that? Do you guys see things shifting a little bit because of that larger conversation? Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I do have a lot of thoughts on it, actually. I think that the conversations are shifting, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's actually a really dangerous time in the information warfare because, I agree. you know, there's this saying like a little bit of knowledge is dangerous. And I, I feel like that's more true today than ever. And what's happening is I think people are waking up to some truths and to uh, some lies that have been espoused for so long, but they don't have a full context. Right. It's really hard to catch up very quickly. Um, and we're talking about things that are really heightened emotional yep. um, because they've been uh, intentionally designed to be, you know, right. and to incite passions and to divide and conquer. Of course, you know, that's a, exactly the point. But because of that, people have all of those preconceived notions and all of their preconceived allegiances. Mm. And it's really hard to let go of all of that. And then you, you're given like one kernel of truth. And let's not forget, how does does psychological warfare work? Typically, it is 90% truth, 10% lie. Mm -hmm. It's that 10%, you know, and obviously, that's not a hard number. But, you know, typically, that's how it works. Mm -hmm. It's somewhere in that ratio, maybe 80-20, whatever it may be. But that small percentage of lie is really, really dangerous, Mm -hmm. right? I always use that ice cream cone analogy, like, you know, and... uh, I, I just so I feel like I'm glad that things are starting to come to the surface, but I think in some ways it's making disinformation even more egregious and more dangerous. Yeah, that's a great point. But I would say that's kind of just a default of going through this process mm-hmm. because I, I, I don't I, I don't imagine you're arguing that we shouldn't inve- engage in the truth because it would. Oh, open no, us. no, no, not I, at I all. Not, yeah. <laughs> my point is that we all we all are yeah. on the same page that the truth is important, but. Mm-hmm. I get the point that I would just add to that is that I think that that's always how this goes. The yeah. people that don't want these truths to be revealed are going to do everything they can to one downplay them, but also muddy the waters around the next steps. Yes. Like this is what I always point out about the minefield that exists. I made this like about QAnon and all these different points where people started to see these answers, but then they step outside of the normal system and there's a minefield of BS and lies and they got trapped with QAnon or Russiagate or whatever the next one. And that happens. And so I agree with you. I think it's a, that's what I think our job is to try to show people that they're, you know, it's not just one new, we, Oh, we discovered it. Now it's over. Right. There's always a huge endless pit of things we're being lied to about. So, and, 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 and I'm glad you brought up the hatred, the the negativity because that's a, it's a hard People are allowing their emotions to dictate what's happening around this. And it's causing, you know, uh, there's justified reasons to be angry about what's happening, but the hatred that's applied towards the other side or the individuals that aren't even involved, it's just gross. And And, it's good. Sorry. I I absolutely agree. And I would just, you know, encourage people. So when they're starting to navigate this and maybe they are starting to realize things that they may have not known before Mm -hmm. to be very weary and cautious around people who are, uh, trying to incite now maybe the reversal, like now mm-hmm. you're switching your hate or blame onto you know a different group or maybe the same group, um, because I think that is the intention of mm-hmm. that disinformation. And really, you know, I, I sound like a broken record, but I would say I think if, if we're going to play the dialectical game, it should be the parasite class versus the people, right? Exactly. You know, and uh, really to try and get rid of these labels and be pro team humanity. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, that's it. Yep, yeah, hundred percent. 
Yeah, I, I just think it's super important that because they'll always try to even like even when the truth comes out, they'll mm-hmm. then try to use that to yep. pit us against our, each other. It's yes. all, as of this, you know, as much as it kind of feels like a gimmicky hashtag because of where we've become, you know, all yeah. lives, Black Lives Matter. I keep saying all civilian lives matter, yeah. and I mean it though. It's not yeah. like some kind of the point is that it doesn't matter the context the history, the yeah. individual person, the baby that was born today does not have any stake in what's going on before, you know, and it's on any side we're talking about. So my point in showing this was just, I think that some of these groups have suddenly started to get a little bit more, whether it's because they see that it's beneficial to them in the moment or they actually care. There's a lot of people are starting to stand up and say things that they wouldn't have otherwise said, I think. And that's think a powerful that's moment. <laughs> I, I don't attribute it necessarily uh, as benevolently, but yeah, I do think it's I, I, regardless yeah. of why the yeah. point is that I think be, people are finding the, yes. the willing or the ability to say things that they might have not been able to say before because people are just more open to it. And that, I think that's important in any moment. You know, yeah. we shouldn't be afraid to say the truth even though it, you know, because it's being attacked or because it's being labeled a certain, it's like saying the COVID-19 injections were hurting people in the beginning. That was t- the most taboo thing in the world. Right. right? It's right. like, he, he didn't, we had to keep saying it, you know? Yep. So in the, and I want to show you some uh, overlaps to the, the Ukraine war, I think is just funny that then brings us into the main conversation. Yeah. So the New York post, this was just a tweet. I, I grabbed it from truth social. That's why it's on like an image here, but it's Zelensky invites Trump to Ukraine and says he needs us support for one more year. That's- so he, he, he's just reaching out to anybody. Well, it's like it's like it's like it's like when mommy says no, so you go ask daddy. Yep, like, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> so great. My grandma always had a, a magnet on her fridge that said that when mom says no, ask grandma. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, dude. Oh my god, and they're so so. Oh my god, I can't even. That's mind blowing. It's great. I mean, yeah. we, we were saying briefly before we got started. It's it's wild. And I do think I was going to say why people can't see it. I do think people see it. I think that's why it's so embarrassing right now is 30 seconds ago. This was the only thing that mattered. Our world was going to blow up if we didn't do it. And they're just like, oh, wait, now, now over here. So now, so now Trump like offers like mega support for Ukraine. Is he all of a sudden going to be the hero of the left? Right. Probably. Oh, guarantee not that that their hairs would explode. No, they start calling him a Nazi. (laughs) Right. Yeah. yeah, Because he's supporting Ukraine. That would be ridiculous. (laughs) Now there's Nazis. Now he's supporting Nazis. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, not because the CIA trained the Azov. Right. right. Yeah. Because Trump suddenly put his finger in. Exactly. Well, I was going to say, shouldn't he be the darling of the left because he was behind Operation War? Exactly. I always say that. I always say that. I'm like, yeah, Trump should go to jail for like vaccine genocide. Right. Do I I need to play the clip I've got right here where every Democrat's like, I'll never take it because Trump bad guy. And then 30 seconds later, it's like, no, it's okay. It's so embarrassing. But Mm -hmm. it's the same point, isn't it? It just, it doesn't, people see that more than ever. You can't keep it's I, I made the joke about North Korea when that was the point where it was like they, that because they really kept saying it then the biggest threat to our democracy. And then it was like, oh, but look over here. And they just know. And then he would even shoot like an I, uh, a missile. <laughs> People would barely talk about it. I'm like, this is so embarrassing. But so, you know, so we're to Ukraine again. We have him reaching out to anybody that will pay attention because nobody <laughs> cares right now. And and I think what's interesting. Um, oh, I think oh, I just threw this in there. This is this is around. The January 6th part of this, I, this is kind of disjointed. I threw this in last second, but <laughs> the, the next point was going to go into, uh, where was it? Just about the U.S. government now basically saying, hey, seek peace. Zelensky, shut up. Stop yelling. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. go, you know, that because it's not important to them anymore. Ask yeah. the Kurds or anybody else the U.S. government uses when they want yeah. to and then just drop them the second it doesn't matter. Wow. I think it's embarrassing, right? But so to me, that just shows you the, the fact that Either this was never really important and it's the new agenda that they focus here or that I think that the Israeli influence over the politicians involved, maybe that's what's changing. I'm not sure. But I also think that the January 6th point I wanted to point out, seeing as how we know 
that there's influence and overlap to all of this. Mm -hmm. We know that there was the Azov movement overlap as there was a member there screaming things in Russian. We know that Israel is one of the chief, like through also different mechanisms that Israel has been funding the Azov movement. You know, so it's interesting. But so if you haven't seen it, there's new footage from January 6th that Truth and Media put out where the, Ray Epps is whispering to base Alaska, we're here to storm the Capitol. So it's obvious this guy was downplayed. They're not going after him. And I just want to remind people that it was an obvious, January 6th was an yeah. obvious government operation. I just think it's really interesting. Yeah. And then, Very the, much so. And the, those poor prisoners. Yep. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, that just, it kills me. And I, I you know, talked to the, like, you know, Sarah Maccabee, who was at College Fest. I talked to her. Uh, pretty recently, and she's been sending me updates daily, you know, like the, through the, the the trial, and he's Ugh. still sitting in jail. God, I mean, it's just these. He was an innocent. He was a police officer helping. Like that's just it's just astounding yeah, to me, right? Yeah. And it's just pick and choose, you know. Yeah. As you, know, you got journalists that were there that weren't there on official capacity, but they're because they're the right kind of journalist. They go, oh, but we'll just pretend you were covering it. And then you got people that were actually in official capacity because they wear a red hat. Now you're suddenly right. a terrorist. It's just these people are children. I mean, it's embarrassing. And and to that exact point, to bring us into the 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 focus for what I'm going to talk about, Liberty Lockdown made a really excellent point, and this shows you how obvious this hypocrisy is. He says, "Well, now that Russia has won the war, which by the way we've always seen that, and they've been lying about it. Now they're kind of tacitly admitting that they mm -hmm. lost because they're moving on." He says, I assume that they will split the remainder of Ukraine into two separate police states. They should then slowly acquire the remainder of the land over the next 75 years. I've been told repeatedly for, from, for a month now that this is an acceptable practice. So if you guys don't catch the point, he's talking about the obvious way that the last 75 years of the occupation of Palestine has gone and that we can't see that it's hypocrisy, right? Everyone commenting below doesn't even catch what he's saying. But the idea is that Russia... Going forward, if they did that, would be literally exactly what we're talking about in reverse in regard to Israel. And I just think it's embarrassing that we can't honestly talk about this. You know, I just think that's an important thing. Now, I, I was going to stop before we can engage with that, but I know that we have other things to get mm -hmm. to. So if you guys mind, I'm just going to jump into some of these points. Let me yeah, know. Go ahead, okay. Go ahead, go ahead. <clears throat> now, I wanted to start in general with this. The part that I think is really hard for me on this whole thing is that there's such an obvious one-sided narrative going on. And again, it works both ways. My personal opinion, I see it much more in one direction. Maybe that's because I'm only looking at certain things, but we saw plenty of people in the beginning that were saying that no matter what happened in Israel, that it was justified. And I don't agree with that, right? I don't think anybody should. The civilian is off limits, no matter what part, no matter how long of the history, that's just how we have to, we have to be the, the better, you know, we have to be, if we want to pretend to be the good guys in government or the U S then they have to act like that. You can't just go, well, they did it. So we're going to do it, which is what always happens. But so as Gareth Ike writes that he I know my stance has upset a few. My language is used and use of profanities hasn't been great. Many have announced they've unfollowed, which is fine. That doesn't affect me because my ego is beaten out of me years ago. But this is why I won't stop. My heart aches for these people. And I've never felt so helpless. Our collective humanity has been tested this last three weeks and it's failed miserably. Now, the point is that right now, regardless of what happened on October 7th, which we should condemn with regard to the civilian aspect of this, this has completely avalanched over into one of the most unbelievably obvious genocides I've ever seen in my life. The amount of civilians and people that are being killed right now is overwhelming. And the fact that almost every single group, the United Nations, Oxfam, UNICEF, Amnesty, Human Rights, every single one of them calling for ceasefire, and yet all these groups are continuing to act like it's continually justified. This is the point we're that I'm making, and I believe we're on the same page in regard to the fact that civilians matter, no matter what happened before, no matter how this goes forward. And so I want to play you a clip from a woman 
who is working there. And this is, this is a, one of these foreign, uh, you know, people that have like, for instance, the doctors from London and people that have flown in and are helping there. She's worked there for years. Every time there's been a conflict and they're asking her about what she sees. Now, if you guys, this is a like, two or three minutes, I think. So if you want to pause it, let me know. It's hard to listen to.
there's an acronym that is unique to the Gaza Strip, and it's called, it's WCNSF, Wounded Child, No Surviving Family. Children, and it is used not infrequently in the last three weeks. It was coined in the last three, three weeks. One physician told me two days ago that, or a few days ago, that a little uh, girl came in wounded and she had a piece of paper in her pocket that she handed to him. He sent me a picture of the piece of paper. It had 27 names on it. And she said, these are the members of my family that were with me in my home. Please look for them. Please look for them under the rubble. Don't look for this one. And she points to the name of her sister. I know she's already dead. This is a 10 year old little girl. Wounded child, no surviving family should not exist as an acronym. And to, to follow President Biden as he continues to justify and to warmonger, all I can say is this has to stop. It's a collective stain on our humanity. It's a, a, a stain on our collective humanity. I, you paint such a, a vivid and horrific picture, and um, you really do, and I, and I understand that these are your friends who you've worked with and, and how difficult that must be. You're not alone. I, I, I've been hearing today from reading testimony today from Philip Lazzarini, who's the Commissioner General of UNRWA. He's been speaking to the UN Security Council. He said this, the sanitary conditions are appalling. People live on very little bread and whatever is left of some water. Seventy of their staff members have been killed and they are looking after 670,000 people in their refugee centers. Is there any sign from what you're hearing that of a humanitarian pause or pauses that could be negotiated? I'm not a politician, but the word pause to me makes no sense. You know, you pause to, to, to nourish and, and, and hydrate a population before you kill them. It just doesn't make any sense for me. You, you stop the bombardment. That is, what, that is what the entire global community should be pushing for and should be uh, insisting on. You, you, you know, and, and I think uh, in, in leading up to my introduction, I think you interviewed somebody who said something very similar, a, a Gazan who said something very similar. You know, the priority is not giving us aid. You need to stop the indiscriminate bombardment. So I think, yes, what is needed is a humanitarian truce or a ceasefire, global intervention, things that were voted for by the overwhelming majority of countries on this planet a few days ago in the General Assembly of the United Nations, yet they're not adhered to and are, are completely disregarded by the powers that be. Two powers to make, to be specific. So, I'm gonna to have to leave there because I am out of time, but um, I hear you and um, people will have heard you. It's a very powerful message that you're, you're giving us. Um, and thank you very much uh, for joining. So it's a pretty vivid picture, right? And I think what's what she and what she notes there at the end <clears throat> is in case you didn't miss that, is that they have now, I think, I think it's actually three times now, it might only be two, that the US government, Israel have been the only countries vetoing a ceasefire where everybody else votes to end what's happening or at least stop the bombing, and they're the only two. So it, I, this is what always kills me about the UN in general, on a, on a side note, is how clearly, completely manipulated and co-opted it is by very specific power structures, right? Where every single country in the UN can say, we want one thing, and they can go, we veto. That just seems like a, it, it's broken. That's not how that's supposed to work, you know? But so in general, so just the, like, 
I'm not going to pretend like we all have the same opinion on this. I, I, I don't know. But I think that what I find the most problematic, especially if we're on the same page, the civilian lives matter no matter where they are, is what how we can move from a point where it's always been that civilians have to be protected, especially if you're the good guy, right? And the idea being that collective punishment and these ru- these rules of war were created for this exact circumstance to where you can't just go, oh, well, I'll just bomb everybody because the bad guy's there. That's collective punishment. It's the idea that you need to then either go in on the ground or ha- with something other than indiscriminate bombing. As we know, they just bombed a refugee camp to go after one commander, they said, which killed 400 people. That was on the record. So I just don't get how we can rationally pretend that that makes sense. I mean, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Like, I feel like civilians have to matter. I mean, 100% civilians, like, have to matter, you know? It's just, but it's just such a crazy topic, right? Because, you know, initially it all started from, you know, civilians getting killed on the Israeli side, you know right. what I mean? And right. so it's like, it's like there's just no... So I'm like, okay, so how do we stop this now at this point? Okay, right. so where, where's the solu- what is the solution in this? You know what I mean? Like, okay, so it's how do we... It's not simple. I know it's not right. simple. Right. I know it's yeah. not simple, but I mean, that's what we need to be focusing on. Because like this is like it's getting to the point where this is going to lead to something much bigger. You can already see it, and you can almost tell like that that's what they want. That's what they you know. Want. There's arguments that could be made that like, who knows if like Israel false flag themselves to create this whole situation. I've seen compelling arguments for that even still. You know what I mean? Like I don't know, but the whole point is that this is leading to a bigger thing. You know, the the whole economic system worldwide is collapsing. They yeah. need a world war. They need a world war. They they like we were all thinking, oh yeah, Ukraine, this is gonna be World War right here. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And now this is didn't quite work, you know what I mean? Yeah. Probably because a lot of the work that we're all all of you are doing, I you know agree. what I mean? Yeah. And then and then here we are at this situation, like, okay, we need to ramp it up a little bit, but it's not working either. But again, you know, as we're seeing, like they're just gonna get more and more desperate. But specifically for the Israel-Palestine conflict, I'm like, what is the solution? What is the solution? Do we just like okay, ceasefire? I mean, both sides have to be willing to negotiate like some sort of like Okay, here's your country. Here's my country. Let's just live side by side in peace. Is that even possible? I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, we can. This this is the this is the hard yeah, conversation. I, I I mean, the problem with that entire premise is that it's a false premise, right? Yeah. The idea is that Israel, on the open for decades, has said yeah. that it, almost every person in power has said they will never allow a two state solution. Yeah. Their current administration yeah. has said repeatedly ad nauseum, we will never allow them to have their own state. But, and then Biden stands up and says, "We're fighting for a two state solution." Yeah. So there's a disconnect there. Yeah. They're lying to us so i'm not going to say that every palestinian wants the same thing but what i do know is that the only thing we can all seem to agree on if we i mean all but that this stems from an illegal occupation 75 years ago or you know with even more and so that means that we stemming from an illegal occupation that as the un and any human rights body has always maintained that under the geneva conventions they have the right to armed rebellion yeah so the only thing that i need i think we point out is that when that went afoul and they started killing civilians, those people need to be held accountable. Sure. But this may be hard for people to wrap their mind around, yeah. but that means that the actions by Hamas up until civilians were hurt yeah. were legal under sure. international sure, law. Sure, sure. And yeah, that's not something yeah. that's the fact. That's a good right? point, yeah. And yeah. so I think is when we come back to the solution, it's very hard for the average person who knows the deep parts of this, who maybe is in Palestine, to hear that and go, for F's sake, we've been talking about, we've been trying this for for 75 years how about, and how about this how about this don't we have the technology to like build islands like build land like in the middle of the ocean can we just like build erect a new like land for who there for like israel gonna have that or, or yeah or something. See, and that's I where you get into know. the problem right because yeah. israel is going to argue that you're then trying to get rid of their jewish only state which no, by the way is we're gonna, racist we're gonna build you a nice smart city out in the ocean man it's gonna be awesome i just don't know man I don't no know. no i'm, I'm just trying to point like, out yeah. that the point is that yeah. there are people who truly want to find a solution yeah. and i don't believe the israeli government is one of them and i think that's very clear 
Israelis, I think, are very active. There's a whole portion of the population that are very uh, right now protesting Netanyahu that yeah. want a two-state solution. Yeah. The government, the Zionist government, does not. How about this? I know Elon is working very hard to terraform Mars. You can just go to <laughs> Mars, dude. That'd be awesome, dude. <laughs> I'm trying to find it, um, but uh, yeah, you can terraform Mars. Yeah. Yes, I'm trying to find the you know the Albert Pike three. Uh, mm. World Wars. Yeah. The, the mm, I know what you're talking about. Yep. Yep. Um, I posted it, and of course, like everywhere I posted it, it was like an eruption of people being like, You're so gullible. I can't believe you would believe this. Like, sure. all these words didn't even exist back then. And I, I will just say, first of all, these people are planners. So, regardless of whether, and it's actually not true. A lot of these words, uh, you know, the World Zionist Federation was actually created in the 1800s. So the word Zionism did exist before 1881. Mm-hmm. But that aside, um, you know, I think that you need to recognize that these people are planners mm-hmm. and that whether or not Albert Pike actually wrote this letter or not, the first two world wars seem to be laid out to a T. I mean, that seems to be exactly how it played out. And World War Three seems to be, uh, at least they're trying to foment it in exactly the way mm-hmm. that this letter was written. And you're applying the, a Zionist entity is doing that? Is that what you're saying? Well, their argument was that it's going to be this conflict. With, yeah, they did say mm-hmm. Zionist. They, and they say that it's a, you know, this conflict between Israel and Palestine is really going to be what will foment. Uh, the, so it was more of like a prophecy side yes, of it. Yeah, exactly. and, and, that, like, and that's a big point of this. And that's well, very good. I, mean, well, I, I will just read, the, I guess, this part if I can see it. Um, let me see if I can. Let me read it. Maybe. One of the things I was going to say real quick is just like if you guys like want some really in-depth like history on like, you know, Zionism and then the whole situation, like how Israel is formed, like just uh, Grand Theft World over the last month, Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. have just been going deep into like, you know, primary sources, all this stuff. Like I learned, I've learned so much. Just I had no idea about um, it. I think they covered the Balfour Declaration. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was recently just going over that too. So much about Mm -hmm. that. And then another thing I learned, um, the the transfer agreement, which was a book written by Edwin Black, who did Mm -hmm. IBM and the Holocaust, right? He was like, exiled from his like local jewish community for writing this book because it shows how like hitler was helping he was like yeah israel great let's just move them all there it's fantastic and so well, like it's it was, zion yeah. and it's the zionist side of it yeah right this yeah. is where uh, dan cohen's been talking yeah. about this oh go ahead that's it that's yeah. it it's just like it's just like you know when, when people feel like like one of the arguments that hitler was involved instrumental in like the formation and relocation of people israel is like wait a minute that's that, that doesn't fit our narrative and like blah blah, blah. i think it's much like, more you know, complicated i know, I know, I know, I know but, exactly but exactly, but i would but. say though that it's important to understand that the things you can prove yeah. are for instance the, the lehigh party which comes yeah. from the ergon party there they openly called themselves zionists at the time or terrorists <laughs> at the time more than once it's on wikipedia sure tried to align themselves with nazi germany more yeah, than once yeah, and then sure. with stalin as well the point was they were trying to align themselves with the power structure that would get them what they wanted yeah. and this is where it's very problematic to then stand back i mean i could play the clip from avi shalom who who has said i think it's right here that he, he, he's proven in his own research that zionists were bombing jews in iraq in order sure. to drive them where they want exactly. them yeah. this is the history we need to understand about where this comes from that does not mean every i would even go as far as to say every zionist i don't think every zionist who believes that some other part of the country is aware this is what it's from but i would more so say does not mean every israeli thinks the same way that's no. the important part well, no yeah. definitely not every israeli um i just yeah before we before we even read this i i would just i think 
that when we're talking about like the little bit of information that becomes very dangerous, I, I think it is an incredibly complex situation. Oh, it is, yeah. They want to play on people's heightened passions because mm-hmm. they want to make this into a religious war. Where I think the, the history becomes really relevant is to understand that there are people who had geopolitical aspirations and they manipulate right. people's beliefs and worldviews. Always. Always. Just like with Syria or any of these rebel groups, like there's both sides to that. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. And both sides are being played. Oh, totally. And this is where it becomes so incredibly complicated because I do agree the civilians anywhere should always be protected. Yeah, right. um, even if they've got disgusting opinions. Even if they I mean, voted for yeah, Hamas. Even if they voted for well, Hamas. Right, right. I'll just share this. Uh, yeah. So, you know, of course, I, I, you guys know, and uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of this audience knows that, you know, my family's Jewish. And mm-hmm. my mom was talking about how uh, they were going to start putting, you know, essentially making a hate speech to uh, you know, make uh, anti-Semitic slurs. And I, of course, don't like it. I, I prefer people didn't say not nice things about right. anybody, honestly. Right. But of course, I don't like them, you know, making anti-Semitic. But I told her, I said, I don't agree with that. It should not be illegal. Um, you can't, you know, you have to be, if you're going to be for free speech, you have to be for free speech. Right. Now, of course, if they're calling for the violence against sure. you. Right. That's a crime. Yeah, yeah. that's a crime. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, that line should be drawn. And again, that's civilian. Um, you know, but again, to go to back to like the both sides being played uh, and there's like and we have evidence of this. There's a dark they call it dark liberal money. You know, there's Democratic money that is being push to create it, it looks exactly like the blm riots it's the dlm it's dlm yeah DL, money. but now it's these pro-palestinian riots <laughs> yeah. that are, are cropping oh, up all yeah. over the united states and it, it, it looked exactly that's, like that's DLM. and now it, we're seeing it and that we we have direct evidence that they have been paid these are paid agitators oh, so but it's 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 both sides right well, you see you see biden saying how he stands with israel after he just gave six billion dollars to iran so obviously they're trying to stoke the tensions because well, they want to. He didn't give six billion dollars around. He gave back money that the government stole from them a long time ago. But it's a still the That's point. It's not a hundred percent. It really is though. It was seized money, but we don't have to get into that. <laughs> the point is the point is about the. Oh, and I just the, the, what, and what you make the a great point there. The, yeah. yeah, great point there. I just lost it. But anyway, uh, go, well, go ahead. What were okay. you going to say? Then I'll, I'll riff off. I of was you. just going <laughs> to say that. Uh, well, e- even if that were true, what about the timing of it? Why now? And then no, a few yeah, days know, there's, later, there's politi- saying, politics. we stand with Israel. Like, I don't, I, I don't think well, I, what's interesting, though, is more so that the you know, the, it's more about political moves. I think the U.S. government and the power structure behind it is aware of the shifting right now, both of U.S. influence and Israel. So I think a lot of them are hedging their bets in different ways. Well, but I wouldn't say I think this is also where like the semantics get a little bit um, like they're important because. I really don't see it as the Israeli, the United States government. I see it much more as like this military apparatus mm-hmm. that is working at the behest of, I mean, you could call it like the five eyes, but really the way I see it is this corporate entity. That's the, you know, three city States. You have the, the Vatican, you have the city of London, you have uh, Washington DC. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we, I don't think that's really something anybody's really going to contest. Like those are city states and yep. they are corporate city states. Um, and I think that that's really they're colluding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of evidence to indicate that they're at the behest of, you know, whether it be the crown or some sort of consortium above. We I call them the parasite class. You know, right, there's right. and that's really what's going on. So it's not even because I would argue that a lot of the people in both the Israeli and the United States governments are 
you know, whether they're being bought off, whether they're just being brainwashed, a lot of them are just pawns. They really don't have any Absolutely. idea and they're just placating to mm-hmm. whatever. And they might think they're doing the right thing. I don't think that they're intentionally trying to, um, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just think, I think they're being manipulated. Yeah, really. no, I, I think that's with every guy. Go- quite mm-hmm. frankly, I think we probably all on the same page that I don't even think the governments as that, as we perceive that are what yeah. are really calling most of these shots. No. And yeah. I think, and that's, that's where you get into even just the most basic side of it, the lobbying or like the, like we talked about in regard to foreign countries, influence of other countries, which is not just Israel, every country's yeah. trying to do that. Absolutely. And I think that's, and, and then just, there's much different, bigger levels to that, but do you want me to read that? I, I can read okay, it now. I made it big enough. <laughs> so uh, should I read the first two or just... Uh, the, this, okay, the First World War must be brought about in order to permit the Illuminati to overthrow the power of the czars in Russia. What's and if, the context to this real quick so we understand so who's saying it? So this was a letter that Albert Pike, Pike okay. who wrote the uh, uh, Morals and Dogma, um, and he was a... Uh, Super Freemason. Exactly. Okay, go ahead. Um, and he wrote this letter to Mazzini. And this was, it was seen as like a prophecy. Now there's questions just for everybody to know. There are questions of whether this was actually written or not. Um, I've heard that it is actually in the Morals and Dogma book, but it's an 800 page book. I have not finished the book. I have not found it. So I can't confirm nor deny, but I will say it looks like (laughs) whether or not this is really a letter that was corresponded. It it definitely seems to be playing out. So I think it's worth paying attention to. Mm -hmm. And there are people who even like I, I, another example we could just take is that like the Bible, whether you believe in it or not, there are people who sure. use revelations, people yeah. on the other side, <laughs> the totally. anti-humanity who use that <laughs> to, you know, make the plan carry out. So right. um, I think people on all sides should really just just look at it and pay attention, um, whether you think it was a legitimate mm-hmm. letter. Uh, so, okay, we must be brought about in order to permit the Illuminati to overthrow the power of the czars in Russia of making that country a fortress of aesthetic communism. The divergence caught caused by the agenter agents of the Illuminati between the British and Germanic empires will be used to foment this war. At the end of the war, communism will be built and used in order to destroy the other government in order to weaken the religions. That's World War I. The Second World War must be fomented by taking advantage of the differences between fascist and political Zionists. This war must be brought about so that Nazism is destroyed and that the political Zionism be strong enough to institute a sovereign state of Israel in Palestine. During the Second World War, the international communism must become strong enough in order to balance Christendom, which would then be restrained and held in check until the time we see when uh, we would need it for the final social cataclysm. The Third World War must be fomented by taking advantage of the differences caused by the agenture of the Illuminati between political Zionists and the leaders of the Islamic world. The war must be conducted in such a way that Islam, the Muslim, the Muslim Arabic world, and political Zionism, the state of Israel, mutually destroy each other. Meanwhile, the other nations, once more divided on the issue, will be constrained to fight to the point of complete physical, moral, spiritual, and economic exhaustion. We shall unleash the nihilists and the atheists, and we shall provoke a formidable social cataclysm, which in all its horror will show clearly the nations the effect of absolute atheism, origin of savagery, and the most bloody turmoil." 
Then everywhere, the citizens obliged to defend themselves against the world minority of revolutionaries will exterminate those destroyers of civilization and the multitude disillusioned with Christianity whose deistic spirits will from that moment be without compass or direction, anxious for an ideal, but without knowing where to render its adoration, will receive the true light through the universal manifestation of the pure doctrine of Lucifer. (laughs) Brought finally out in the public view. (laughs) This manifestation will result from the general reactionary movement, which will follow the destruction of Christianity and atheism, both conquered and exterminated at the same time. Damn. So it's like a um, Luciferian thing. Yeah, right? I mean that's, yeah. that's so where, so where the it's light ul- bringer, they're all about that, right? So ultimately, they they're suggesting whoever's writing that that both Zionism, Christianity, which Zionism is not even really a religion, are being used, exactly. right? And so the people that's yeah, it's interesting. It is really and, interesting because there's like that letter. There's like you know the protocols, the elders of Zion. Yeah. Then there's of course there's the silent weapon for quiet wars right. that like paints a picture of like what is actually happening. Even though they say oh it's debunked, it's not a, it doesn't and exist. I, but it's like yeah, but there's so much in there. That's like, there's so much in there. With reality, you know? and I have a theory that I just came up with two nights ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I I'm like trying to find the information to corroborate it. I'll share it here. Uh, it's just a theory. I will just preface it. by saying it, it is a theory. Um, but I've already found some evidence to substantiate it. I think Hegel was a member of the Illuminati. Probably. Mm-hmm. Of course. He. It turns out that he was a huge fan of Fichte. Fichte was the one who showed him how, because, you know, the, the dialectic really starts with Plato and Kant. And it was Fichte who showed Hegel that he could, you know, take it into this, like, make it a quote unquote science, mm-hmm. you know, so that they could use it to progress the dialectic towards an omega point, essentially the historicity of man, uh, really the cliff notes is towards the omega point, which, you know, we could call the new world order. Mm-hmm. They called mm-hmm. it the new underground world order at the time. But um, he, but fictive was like a very high level Freemason also probably an Illuminati member. Goeth was an Illuminati member. We have definite like, how do you even go about verifying any of that stuff? Because it's so such a long time ago. You well, know? it was a long time ago, but it was definitely not like prior to documentation. Right. Uh, so there's some really good books from insider whistleblowers. And, mm-hmm. you know, the way I've been trying to read through it is you read all of these different people and see what matches up. Mm-hmm. Because if if they're all saying things, even from opposite sides, that still point in the same direction. Yeah. You have a lot of uh, potential. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we should definitely talk about it when you okay. get done. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I was going to make a point that you referenced yeah. that I thought was important just since you're, you know, we discussed the idea right in the beginning of yeah. the illegalizing, you know, anti-Semitism, which is such a dangerous trap, first of all, free yeah. speech, which, you know, even yeah. the terrible things should be protected in a free speech, but that they're labeling things that are, you know, the Zionist government killed people. Well, that's anti-Semitism. Well, it's not, you know, right. and that's happening. And so that's what we're seeing today. Shout out to uh, Arnaud Bertrand who wrote, who pointed this out. There's a new bill in, in, Fran- in France that literally one of the lines, this is right in the beginning, insult committed against the state of Israel mm-hmm. by one of the means set out in the article, which is as simple as saying something that, that, they, are, that they deem anti-Semitic mm-hmm. is punishable by two years imprisonment, 75,000 euros for insulting Israel as a French citizen. Mm-hmm. Like this, this is what we, and I, I made the point about this in the last show about the like uh, Hurricane Harvey, where people were signed, had to sign a document that said that they wouldn't protest against Israel, which, you know, I should have scrapped, which you remember that? That's real. It's right here, actually. Yeah. I've got the, uh, 
Well, and the other side is happening at the same time, right? Didn't Kamala Harris come out and make this whole thing uh, that they're doing a, a big um, movement against Islamophobia? Yeah, I heard that. I heard yeah. that on uh, no so I. I just really encourage people to understand that they, that they are really trying to provoke on both sides. Yep. And this is about stoking well, tensions. But there's a whole different thing. I, I don't I don't disagree that that's happening. But coming out and saying that hate is bad is very different than coming out and saying we will penalize you for saying a certain oh, thing. Oh, but that, you know that I mean? was the direction they were moving in. Well, but as it happens, they, they I, have I to start by setting the stage. Yeah, because well, they're setting the stage right now. And the ultimate solution is AI government. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really what it's all about. While they're busy with all of this. But what I'm saying, though, is we have to make sure the distinction is they came out and said, this is bad. And I assume there will be action, but that hasn't happened. On one side, though, in every country, we're having literal legal action taken against people for taking a stance. Oh, I did want to point out the the Palestine. That was what I wanted to comment on. It's interesting to me, really interesting about the um, funding of protests because mm-hmm. i think was here's what's interesting is is there's a lot of very organic protests as there always are in any movement mm-hmm. that are going out and simply going i i want free palestine mm-hmm. that are then being framed as nazis by lunatic manipulators in my opinion mm-hmm. but i will I guarantee you that there are people that are being used in that way mm-hmm. now do you think that in the way of funding protests that are right. organic now do you guys believe or think that the funding of these protests or in, in, in just to get people to protest Palestine or is it to get people to go out and take the stance that can be used in a way that makes them look like they're, we hate Jews and blah, blah, blah. Like, how do you see that being played? Oh, I think it, it's to try and increase uh, anti-Semitism. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's I think, what I would I think agree. that's exactly what that's all about. And uh, yeah. So again, it's, it's just to stoke this tension, you know, and this is really very similar playbook of World War II mm-hmm. because a lot of what they did, and, and I do not agree with this, is that they tried to attach Jewish identity to the Holocaust. Right. You know, most of my family wasn't even in the Holocaust. They, they came here before that. Now, my great grandmother w- watched her mother be sliced in half by the pogroms. Mm. You know, there's been persecution and there has been uh, genocide of most different, you know, uh, nations, uh, races, ethnicities. Right. I, I don't condone any of that. I do think the Jews have incurred quite a bit of it. And of course, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't support that, no. but I, but to attach our identity to the Holocaust mm-hmm. is uh, the purpose of that is to victimize us. And if we're here, we're survivors. We're not victims. Mm-hmm. And I think to keep rehashing that is not empowering at all. Totally. And to align your whole entire identity and a whole people's identity to that instance is not in any way empowering. And it's done to create this division, yeah. you know? So mm-hmm. I, yeah, and and justification and justification for a lot of this stuff. It's like, well, if we don't go and slaughter all these civilians, then what the next step is, you know, another Holocaust, right? Am I right? About but, that? And you know I'm, I'm hearing like, that that's, rhetoric. That's, yeah. yeah. That's, and I honestly, as don't they commit think... a Holocaust exactly. to present exactly. what they exactly. say will be, yeah, it's exactly. the same. It's so, but that's, but that's, civilians. That's you know? like like Greenblatt, you know, like that guy, like that's his like go to. It's like every time, every time someone like sneezes the wrong very oh, the next step is a Holocaust, right? You know what I mean? Right. Right. Which is not not necessarily false. People do. There are wild, and I think including people staying these statements that would carry out that thing but he's not wrong no. these things can lead with left untouched yeah. but this is the point about in my opinion about both sides of this right mm-hmm. nobody can condone the act of attack on civilians in israel but no one can also condone the attack and open continual attack on civilians in gaza right totally. it has to be this right. it has to be both and that's the problem is that people like the ben shapiro's of the world mm-hmm. will get mad about you saying that i care about both peoples and then redirect it to one side and yes mm-hmm. that is but i would argue in a much lesser degree happening in both ways that's it's happening my, my on both sides right it's happening on both sides and yeah i i agree the civilians should not be 
Mm-hmm. They, they should not be fair game at all. Right. Like that should be. On, on your episode, we were talking about this before, but your episode you did on Friday talking about the 62% of the 9,000. Yeah, man. Civilians. That's from you on. I have that in here. But there's a clip that you showed featuring uh, Dershowitz. Oh, Dershowitz. Did you yeah. see this at all? He's a creep. So he was on there talking about how, like, you know, justifying the murder of the civilians because, well, they voted for Hamas. So therefore, right. they did, they're this just as culpable innocent and just civilian as thing as they're doing. And so, yeah. And so for God. me, I was like, that might be. Well, biggest... most of them didn't vote for Hamas. Well, exactly. But, most of them are children yeah exactly exactly yeah. Well, that, one year that was, old when that happened that was ryan's point he was like right. he was like, well what about the the brand newborn baby that, that right. did they yeah. vote for hamas but but the fact that in his mind it's justifiable to kill civilians because they voted by and large i don't even hamas. think he believes it's like, that it's so I crazy don't. it's so crazy and then but my takeaway was like well that ladies and gentlemen is a great reason not to vote right there so you don't get lumped into <laughs> i'll support that yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't get yeah. i'm not it wasn't me i didn't vote for it. yeah but yeah it's if just now, if now all of a sudden they're trying to create a narrative with if you voting for a certain thing is now justification for you to be murdered well that's the point they made yeah. on the show is it yeah. so there by default what yeah. he's doing is saying everybody's accountable even though yeah. not everybody voted even if they were alive when it happened the point is there's different arguments people yeah. voted for fatah that was there that was part was. of it so the argument today is that everybody then under trump's administration was accountable which is that they would lose their minds if you made mm-hmm. that point i'm not so support trump it's just it's it is about that's why i don't think he believes it it is a it is a obviously non-objective stance that whitewashes an entire group of people which we've always argued was ignorance and they're just doing it to to act like this is acceptable and that's Mm -hmm. the problem with this is that there are innocent people as we keep pointing out yeah yeah now go ahead uh yeah i'm just gonna make this statement just because i think it is really important you brought up uh, like the elders of protocols of zion i i brought up this uh you know albert pike letter that brings the the luciferian and goal and I just want to say that people like a lot of times they'll use things like the Rothschilds mm-hmm. as a justification. The Rothschilds are not Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> they're Satanists. They're Satanists. Yes, they're all Satanists. I, I'm yes. just but you can find the connections to the Jewish yes. community just like you could find in the Christian well, community and everybody else. Mafia, <laughs> you know, I mean, most mainline historians do not disagree that that was a real thing that existed. Mm-hmm. Right. Obviously, we don't have a whole lot of evidence, you know. Around all the details, this was 7th century to 13th century, uh, or 700s to 1300s. It's kind of a long time ago. But what we do know is they were given a choice of uh, one of the Abrahamic faiths. And they chose Judaism because they were lend- they were bankers. So they wanted to be able to lend money. And the Muslims and the Christians could not yeah, because it, usury, it went against yeah, their... Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, usury. Exactly. exactly. So... But this does not make Jews the root no. of all evil. This does not make Jews the problem. No, I, right. I'll follow yeah. up on that because, like, there's such an important point to make is that, like, that's that's what's happening right now is they're trying to portray, yep. like, you know, Jews as in general. But you're so right; they're not they're not even Jewish. They hide behind the liability yeah. shield of being Jewish, exactly. um, but they are satanic, Luciferian, evil people. And you know, the same thing like happened in, historically too. It's like they say, like, no Rothschild ever died in a concentration camp, right? It's the same. It's the same technique. They're just going to run amok at the top and then blame everything on the the folks at the bottom, you know what I mean? So it's like very important to realize that these are not our friends, not the people that we know that are Jewish or identify as Jewish or whatever. Like that's not, who what this is about at all exactly. and we like, cannot lose sight of it no matter what we i don't blame the catholics for all the wrongdoings of the jesuits you know like, right right yeah or, or even for the all what their catholic church hierarchy did. oh yeah you exactly. know it's like it's just for it's sure. it's always stupid to whitewash and broad brush yeah. anybody we always used to make that clear but now today everyone's doing it like it's some kind of badge of honor you know right. it, it yeah. kills me but since you yeah. bring it up i just thought it was interesting here is yeah. the belfort declaration yeah. okay. and yeah. what and it as we let's not forget it's literally dear lord rothschild right yeah, i mean it's where it comes from and i mean also 
since we bring it up, let's not forget that in this document, which used to be denied, right, which is very real. It's very real. Yeah, it's provable. But it's it's basically the point they make two things is one was Jewish Zionist aspirations. We all that's we need to understand that. And then the second other part was that it was to be established in Palestine. So clearly it was real. And it always we all know that today. But the one thing I I thought people don't mention that it says it says the a national home for the Jewish people and will use their best endeavors to facilitate the achievement of this object. It being clearly understood that nothing shall be done, which may prejudice the civil, the civil and religious rights of the existing non-Jewish community in Palestine, which didn't happen. But I don't even think the British government cared about that either. I think they were being bombed by the Zionist terrorists at that point in time, which is what was happening. But I just think it's interesting. Now, good. Sorry. I I was just saying that this is why it is so complicated though, because Mm -hmm. now you have people who are there. And it's not the fault of the people who are there. Exactly. You know, exactly. To, to have or them the Jewish be, baby or Israeli baby exactly. was born today. Exactly. You know, they, they're not aware of like most people don't even know about the Balfour Declaration, right. you know, so they to then blame them. I mean, it, it's kind of like, you know, saying that we should be giving reparations or or that we should suddenly give back all the land to the Native Americans. Right. I don't think what happened to them was necessarily right either. Right. But here, that's, but, a, that's a really interesting point. See, this is such a big conversation. I know. That we're five hours. No, <laughs> but that's it. such a great point, because here, let, let's let's take a really hard stance on this because my point the whole time has been I, that's the one of the first things i said was it, it's it's not fair as much as it's a difficult conversation for the average jewish or israeli family because both exist in israel yeah. that, that, that's, that's one point i always think is gross is that people like ben and the rest of them or even the israeli government are only about the jews in israel there's a lot of people other than jews that live in israel and they just there don't Muslims care about in them israel. they're exactly. christian they're atheists yeah. right yeah. but but that uh the, again the point about the actual beginning of it if we're going to be if we, if we, especially since there's not, it seems in many cases on both sides, not honest engagement with this. And I would say from like the PA Palestinian Authority or Hamas that they don't really want it, It's all this argument about two state solution and it never gets reached for whatever the reason. The only way that seems to actually solve this is to go back to the, the origin. And that would be the illegal occupation, which means that Israel is not allowed to be in Palestinian territory. But your point. It's not fair to the families that didn't choose yeah, to be part of this, exactly. that grew up in this lifestyle, and and in many cases are right now fighting for a lot of the Palestinians, right? Yeah. Same point, though, is with uh, if we're really going to take a hard stance, the argument would be that the land is the, the Native Americans, exactly. right? But think about the overlap for the American that might not understand that, is that would mean that you as an American have to leave. Yeah, you have exactly. to leave your home and move yourself somewhere else, which is not really fair to the average person today, as much as it sh- still would be just to give it back to the people that originally had it. That's why this is so impossible. But this is why it's so complicated. It is. And yeah. but see, this is why it comes to what Scott was bringing up last time, which is that okay, so what's the solution? Mm-hmm. And until we have an actual like this is what I loved about uh, I just had his name up here, um Hussam Zamlat, who who said, who is a representative of the Palestinian Authority, which I don't believe is honest in all this. I think they're working for Israel for the most part, but I find his statements to be genuine. His point was look, the only thing Palestine wants is the equal application of international law. Like, that's where they're at this point. Like, we're not even talking about two states. We know that's not happening. We just want there to be equal application of international law. That's not happening. And I think that's what's so interesting is we need to come to a place where there's an even playing field to even then start the conversation about how we negotiate. Because all that happens, like we saw with Yemen and anywhere else, the moment that starts, the whoever it may be, the party that doesn't want it to happen will fire a rocket. Or something will happen. Mm-hmm. And they all go, oh, it's their fault. They did this. And we're going to pause everything. And it goes forward. And this has been happening for 75 years. 
Well, I think we also have to acknowledge that there are these parties, right? I mean, we brought up Hamas. Hamas is not Palestine. Exactly. <laughs> you know? exactly. And sure. Hamas was most, I mean, we have lots of evidence that Hamas was created co-committantly with the Mossad and CIA. Right. And it was part of this They've uh, admitted that. intelligence. Yeah. Avi Cohen, I think, to the Wall Street Journal said right. on the record that was our creation. Right? Exactly. So now you, you, so you can't now conflate. We've got the people of Palestine and the people of Israel and then we have these parties, right? So it's right. A, I, we have very similar things going on here. I mean, I may not like what the uh, exactly <laughs> Democrat Party is doing or what uh, the Biden regime is doing currently, right. but yeah. So we have a very, but that's not necessarily the American people, nor is right. it reflected. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, I heard there's lots of land over the ice wall. Maybe there's something over there we can go find. Like, let's lead an expedition with the, wild, with the wildlings. Oh, Antarctica, over, anyone? Oh yes, let's go. Let's go over the ice wall, right, and find this new land. Everybody can live happily ever after. I, I, I immediately go to Game of Thrones when you say I that. Know, I'm sorry, exactly. I'm a nerd. But <laughs> now, I, I think with the, the analogy is important that it, it is, is the average people, you know, and they, that's the way we have to look at it. Like, that's the, that's the point they make about Lindsey Graham and his lunacy where he comes out and says something. That doesn't oh. mean that everyone in the U.S. government thinks that right. or that every American thinks that. But right. we tend to do that as in the United States, yeah. you know, that somebody in Iran says, oh, Iran thinks this. That's happening a lot right now about yeah. a Hamas leader. If that's in many cases, by the way, I've shown that they aren't even actually part of Hamas, but it's somebody just wearing it. A, right. a brown person says something. And the Hamas leader said this. And the point is that even if it was a Hamas leader does not mean that everybody in Hamas or everybody in Palestine thinks that. Right. It's just this willful disregard for the nuance. And this always happens in this kind of conversation. And I, I do want to reiterate about the protest part of it, though. Yeah. I think that's really important that we can prove that there are part at entities funding protests that yes. I get where I think we agree that it's about turning it into the extreme side of it. There are an endless amount of people out there protesting for Israel, protesting for Palestine that just want this to end. There are people that are trying to stoke the division by yes. seeding the, the narratives in there to make us attack each other. I think and and I that's think important. an example is like I think some of these, uh, you know, that we have some evidence to indicate that some of this, uh, you know, left wing money is being funneled into pro-Palestinian protests. And I, I do think they're agitators in order to incite further anti-Semitic rhetoric and mm -hmm. uh, sentiment. And I think that is a, a, intended to stoke a reaction. So I would encourage people as, and this is just, I always, I really try to encourage this. It's really difficult, uh, but education goes a lot further, plant seeds, trying not to play the reactionary, even if mm -hmm. you're, you yourself are not violent, but not to call for the violence of anybody yeah. who, you know, might have the power to do so. I don't know why anybody anywhere thinks that calling for violence against another person is somehow I a solution. Think, it's yeah. ridiculous to me. Like, I'm not, I'm not even talking about the idea of going after, you know, the the right to defend yourself, which is not even what's happening anymore, or the idea that going after the person that attacked you, it's, it's completely morphed into something else. And anybody out there acting like, because that's what's happened now. We've got the Israeli leadership openly saying now, and that's what that's what UN is pointing out, Amnesty International. They're calling for genocide. They're saying right. get rid of all of them. They're not hiding that anymore. So that the, anybody doing that is on the wrong side of history. There are innocent people here, and this is why this is important to me. And this is what we need. Th this is what I think it boils down to. Whatever side you think you're on, what the United Nations Geneva is pointing out, the that over nine thousand Palestinians have been killed. 62% of these people, according to the United Nations, are women and children. I just, th that is unbelievable to me. So I, um, not that that's not terrible. Obviously, we can, you know, as humans have compassion for that. 
But I will say, I think the UN has a very different agenda, which is why I, I brought up, you know, my topic we'll get to. But I, I think that they do want to, whether or not Pike wrote this or not, I think the, the UN and the, uh, their acolytes, you know, the World Economic Forum, the parasite class people have a, a very vested interest in fomenting a World War Three, mm-hmm. And this is the great way to do it. I do think you, the Ukraine war was kind of ignored. It did not incite the same type of reaction that they would have liked. Far to less hope. children were killed. That's probably uh, That's why. true. Yeah. Um, and of course, children are, well, there's many facets to that, right? Mm-hmm. There's, if you do take the Luciferian, uh, you know, view, mm-hmm. then there, there's a sacrifice there. And there's, uh, there are people who believe that. So there's that. And then of course, you're now, uh, you know, heightening the, the emotions of people who are watching that, who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, want to defend the children. Of course, I advocate defending the children. Sure. Um, but I, I just think we need to see how much we're being manipulated. And I think all yeah. of this is really, while behind the scenes, they have their agenda, which is, you know, well, that we'll get to, but it's to bring about the AI world society. And I think that's really, mm. they're, they need a war uh, for us to be distracted, for us to fight each other, yep. and for us to be desperate. You know, like morally, emotionally, financially, uh, you know, just to really strip us of whatever resources they can to push us to say, yes, whatever you can do to save us. Yeah. And, and strip us of our compassion, too. Right. Of course. I think yeah. Desensitize so, us. And, and this, is, this is one of the things that I think is important in all this is that never let a good crisis go to waste does not typically mean that the crisis is fake. It can. No. But in this case, my point is the United Nations stating a fact, which we can prove is happening, right. is used. But doesn't mean we should the we should be saying this is un, un a problem that needs to be acknowledged and then yes it's also being used against us. Sixty two percent of the children be, uh, of the people being killed, women and children, are coming from multiple sources now being backed up by corporate media, by UN, by Amnesty. Now none of these people do I trust at face value, right? right. <laughs> but my point is that this is something that is so impossible to ignore that's being displayed on everything we can see that not even Israel's denying anymore. As, as we just showed you, now they're claiming the bombing of 400 civilians to kill one person. Mm-hmm. The, there's never been a time in history that that was what we claimed was the good thing. That's, that's what terrorists do, right? And I think that's what we need to realize is that even if these are being used to drive us into this, we can't lose our compassion. We have to realize that whether it's the UN pushing this or the a government causing it, we need to step up in the midst of this and make sure we can do something to help those people. I think we're all in that stance, right? And so that's where I'm coming from. And I, I don't, but you're right. Nobody should miss that this is being used and marshaled yeah. into something much larger. And that's terrifying, but yeah. I'm just, and I so- was also just going to say that I'm not sure that there's an easy solution either. I don't disagree that we should absolutely have compassion and pay attention to what's going on and try and figure out how to protect these people. But stop this is them. not an easy, I stop bombing them. That's the easiest way to sit. Easy mm-hmm. Well, but I think this is the thing about it is it is easy. It's very simple. Stop bombing where the civilians are. Right. There's the, the, what you do to solve what problem you feel is happening going after Hamas is very different than acting like, what do we do to stop this? But this who is stop bombing who? And then do you think that it's really going to well, just quiet down? Well, first that? of all, like, there's been rockets flying from Palestine for 75 years. It hasn't been this. This hasn't. And most of these are causing very minimal damage. The point is that it's an occupied territory that has a legal right to do that. Not civilian areas, but to fight back. So the problem then becomes the indiscriminate nonstop bombing, which is why every human rights group in the world is going just stop bombing them, which is very simple. I'm not saying that ends the problem, but I'm saying if we're if the problem we're trying to fix is what we're staring at. There's a simple solution to it. 
right? I think that's very, that's my opinion, but I think that's very clear because that stops the people being killed. And I think we need to understand that the reason that the ongoing bombing and the rockets that predominantly don't cause that much damage are happening is because of this and because of the ongoing illegal occupation, which is just stating a fact. But I don't know. I think that stopping children from being killed, which is the only thing I'm really focusing on the moment is stop bombing. That's, I think that's very clear. And I, I, that's backed by most of the people in the international community, but I don't know. That's my opinion. <laughs> I just don't know that if they were to stop bombing, that then Hamas is really going to step back and not. But that, but they fight. haven't for 75 years. So like, what I'm saying is if the static reality has right. been that they've been firing rockets every now and again, and the Iron Dome stops them or doesn't, and there's a little mm-hmm. bit of damage here, people run to their shelters. And I'm not saying that's okay. Right. It's sad. It's horrifying. But that's been this reality. Mm-hmm. And now this is going on. It's the only different part of this is the using, and let's not forget, they've got minimal effort. They've got very minimal effort. They don't have an Air Force. They don't have a Navy. They don't have any, they've got what we colloquial bottle rockets, mm-hmm. right? Very, And they've gotten better over the years. You can see that they've gotten stronger, but to use the kind of munitions that the U.S. government is sending, the kind of stuff that's borderline. I mean, anyway, the point is well, this we is don't such. don't know that, that they don't have more powerful. I mean, that's. They, a... ha- they have more powerful today, but they haven't used what we. What right, they Roberts talked about the possibility. It, right, right, yeah. All so right. that's that's. But you'd argue they probably would have if they are. So the, if the argument being that they would, if they stopped, that mm-hmm. they would then use the more powerful thing, just doesn't really make sense. It's possible. But well, it, it it depends on who's driving it, right? Then you could think about if they if there's a situation where the powers that be are the ones who are really driving this, and they're you know hell bent on creating a world war, mm-hmm. then they're going to pivot to whatever the next. I'm not saying that. I obviously care about the children. Oh, I I'm definitely. Saying I don't think, it's, although that may seem like a simple solution, I don't know if it really is. I mean, if if it were, and I had a crystal ball, and I could say that that would actually mm-hmm. stop it, then great. But I don't know. No, that's fair. I look, that's an impossible situation. No one's going to solve it sitting here. But what I'm simply right. saying is that to not, if if the argument is we don't know if that will stop it, why don't just, why don't we try it out? Right. <laughs> why don't I we just stop bombing just for don't it? Trust. I mean, we looked at who is in favor of this. It is the most of the UN, and I don't necessarily trust them either. So. Yeah, but what I mean is that the UN information is all being relayed. No, no, like this yeah, is coming from the that. United Nations on the, the Palestinian Refugee Agency, sure. the Health Ministry, but it's also been reported, and we can also watch it happening. Like sure. that's what yeah. I mean is when we get to the point. Let me just rattle through some of these. Sure. We get to the point where you know Wolf Blitzer is talking to them about this, right. and he can't even digest the idea. Like, so you're telling me you knew they were there? Like, he, it's just amazing. I'll, I'll play that in a second. Okay. Well, so this the point is, so not only are we seeing the fact that it's 62% children and women, which is not hard to understand if 50% people in this location yeah, are under the uh, age of, exactly. I think, 15. 18, they keep saying, yeah. well, they keep saying 18, but I think directly from the people on the ground, it was 14 or 15. That, that's, yeah. but, but let's just say under the age of 18 to be accurate. Total of 48 UN buildings have been bombed. So this is what I have a hard time people. There's no way Israel knew where they were. They have the coordinates. They've been confirmed before this. This is a yeah. back and forth thing. We're here. We're, we're UN. Not even Israel is claiming that, the, that Hamas is there. Right. Nobody, only people online are like, well, Hamas was probably there. Or Hamas was doing there. They're controlled by Hamas. Not even Israel's making the argument. No one in the, the only time I even saw corporate media talk about this is when Wolf Blitzer was forced to, because one of his interviewees was like, oh, I don't know anything about the refugee camp, but let me tell you about what well, my, you know, and then went right into it. And that's 70 people they've killed that work for them, 48 buildings. I just don't see how, that's this right here. They've got 70 colleagues have been killed. That how we don't realize that that means at the very least that they're targeting 
protected areas that hold civilians. Well, if any other country would have done that, yeah. would there be like large like international outcry, like that's declarations what I'm saying. of war? I'm like, not trying to stand with the UN. I'm just simply yeah, saying it's like still. that's wild to me that you yeah. can have 50 United Nations buildings bombed full of food and supplies and it's then like, have 70 of their colleagues killed and like, no one's talking about it. It's like a little USS Liberty type situation. Yeah, I mean? yeah, totally. Yeah. I don't know. I just think that's you know, feel mm-hmm. comment if you want. I think that's interesting and it kind of highlights a very, you know, we know that there. this is after we have the Jablia camp bombed mm-hmm. twice. And then we have a school that was bombed where white phosphorus was used, where, which even Human Rights, uh, Human Rights Watch has uh, did in their own investigation and proved they've done, even, they've done in 2009, mm-hmm. but they also did it since October 12th. White phosphorus used in Gaza and Lebanon. You know, there's a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I might skip some of these. I just want to play, you know, I just think it's important that we recognize that it's not deniable that they're bombing locations. They know are full of civilians and they're not even claiming that they're any... Uh, justifiable reason other than things like this. And here's Wolf Blitzer trying to make sense of this. Yes, I can. We went, we were focused the again on our the... target, a senior, senior commander, Wolf, and we'll be updating uh, you with more data as the hour moves ahead. But even if that uh, uh, Hamas commander was there amidst all those Palestinian refugees who are in that in that Jabalia refugee camp, Israel still went ahead and, and dropped a bomb there, uh, attempting to kill this Hamas, uh, this Hamas, Hamas commander, knowing that a lot of innocent civilians, men, women and children, presumably would be killed. Is that what I'm hearing? That's not what you're hearing, Wolf. We. That's exactly what he just said. And he goes on to say the same thing. But weirdly enough, goes, no, no, that's not what you're hearing. And then let me say the same thing. Again, we're focused on this commander. Again, who you'll get more data who this man was. Uh, killed many, many Israelis. Uh, we're doing everything we can. These are, it's a very complicated battle space. There could be infrastructure there. There could be tunnels there. Could be. Uh, we're still looking into it. And we'll give you more data as the hour moves ahead. But you know that there are a lot of refugees, a lot of innocent civilians, men, women, and children in that refugee camp as well, right? This is the tragedy of war, Wolf. I mean, we... Yeah, I mean, it goes on, repeats it again another time. And Wolf is just like, but you knew they were there. Like, you just can't seem... Because that's crazy. Mm -hmm. That's never been what we pretend is justified, right? That's just never been the reality of the situation. Now, I've got a few more things, but in each of time, since we don't only talk about this, I just want to rattle off some some points here. And for instance, I'll, I'll oh, just add really quickly. Mm-hmm. So you were talking about like the different weapons. I mean, there is some evidence to indicate that they do have weapons, you know, that are like nuclear power weapons. I disagree yeah. with that. I, strongly, maybe, but, but we don't yeah. know. We really don't know. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, that uh, this is just to play the counter argument mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. the argument that's being made is, well, then they're going to just wipe Israel off the face of the map. Yeah, and that is really that, but but that is what people are that what people are concerned with, and we don't know. I mean, well, that's so really... the argument then by default would be we continue indiscriminately bombing where two point five million civilians live because they, if we don't, they might attack us. You know, that just that's a hard thing for me to swallow. You know what I mean? I, I get it, I get it, but I, I'm just saying we don't, we really don't know. It's not, it's just not that simple. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. Yeah, but see, I have a hard time with that because it is if we're talking about saving people, right? And the idea being that. To not know is not a justifiable reason to continue murdering civilians. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, we know that's part of it, as we just heard him admit. Well, that's war, right? Mm -hmm. So the idea being, if they wanted to go after Hamas, which is what they claim, that's their only objective, Mm -hmm. they could go on a ground assault and do it. And they're going to take losses. Sure, that's the point. How do we bring both sides of the table to talk? 
Can we just bring both sides? They tried the talk? Can we just many, can we many just times. Here, let me let me play something for you that will make this very clear. This is not super new. I, mean, I know, but it's both sides just need to. Yeah, I, but this this is why I'm, this this is why they that will never well, the succeed. Is, I feel like it's not on both sides. I feel like the same people are doing it yeah. and playing both. Yeah, right, right, right. Problem. Exactly. Okay, but see, okay. this is the Would problem, though, is that they have the Palestinian Authority, yeah. which is completely overtaken by even the West Bank and Gaza will tell you by right. Israel. But they point at them as even who will take power should all of this get destroyed. Right. So right now and then you've got the Israel side. Who says this? This is the defense minister, Moshe Yalon, uh, talking just a couple of weeks ago. Israel is going to hurt Lebanese civilians to include kids of the family. We went through a very long discussion. We did it then. We did it in the Gaza Strip. We are going to do it in any round of hostilities in the future. That's the defense minister. Uh, this is the uh, uh, military chief of staff, Benny Gantz. The next round of violence will be worse and see this suffering increase. He headed up the military assaults uh, on Gaza, the last uh, two. This is the Minister for Education in the Netanyahu government. There will never be a peace plan with the Palestinians. I will do everything in my power to make sure they never get a state. He also said, if you catch terrorists, you simply have to kill them. I've killed a lot of Arabs in my life, and there's no problem with that. Uh, this is the Minister for Justice. Palestinians are all enemy combatants. This also includes the, mother, the mothers of the martyrs. They should follow their sons. Nothing would be more just. They should go, as should the physical homes in which they, are, which they raised the snakes. Otherwise, more little snakes will be raised there. That's the Israeli Minister for Justice in the last few months. Israeli Minister for uh, Deputy Minister for Defense. Palestinians are beasts. They are not human. Uh, the Minister for Foreign Affairs, CP Hotley, this is the last one. My position is that between the sea and the Jordan River, there needs to be one state only, the State of Israel. There is no place for any agreement of any kind that discusses the concession of Israeli sovereignty over lands conquered in 1967. Now, these are the official statements of several ministers of the current government of Israel. In one case, actually advocating genocide of all Palestinians, including children, and calling them snakes. Now, can I ask you, Taoiseach, uh, do you not think that if we're defining terrorism, that is the language and thinking of terrorists? That it is absolutely... So I, I will. Do, I, I agree that that's horrible. I'm not advocating for the genocide of anybody. But if you look at conversely, there is a lot of that argument on the other side too. This is why I say it really isn't simple. When you look at, you know, like what the the you know fundamentalists or you know the extreme Muslims believe, they believe that everybody who does not follow there should be eradicated. Mm. So it. I don't advocate that either, yeah. you know? So I, there, well, I'm it, just trying to it, show that there really is both sides are, and that's why it's not. Yeah, but see, this is the problem, though, is it, it all roots back to an illegal occupation. That's where this all begins. 
the right, stealing of land and then the going for. So what my point is, there's plenty of people that are going to feel very. But I would also point out that what we can see is you have a government supported by nuclear powers in the world mm-hmm. who is openly from positions of power advocating the murder of an entire people. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Palestinians who with scattered factions and different groups that we can prove are created by Israel to manipulate them. Mm-hmm. And these people are going, kill all the Jews. Most of these Palestinians, when given the chance to speak, are not saying that. And that's, I, we can prove that, but there's plenty of them that I've also shown that have those opinions. But my point is it stems from a location where they've over the last 75 years, watched their families get killed in front of them, watched themselves get starved to death. They have 97% undrinkable water. All these things matter in this conversation, right? So we're at a point where we have that leading the, de- the conversation when you have minimal rocketry and things firing out where people that are saying the things we just heard are literally talking about ethnic cleansing and bombing, you know, so it has to be seen in the, that's why I think even the UN came out and said, look, this didn't happen in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. We have to understand where all this comes from today, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I always maintain the legal standing of the UN, the Geneva conventions means that they can literally, well, and here's the other part of it. I was going to say fight legally and resist with, with arms that we are watching an occupation which then argues that the Israeli government, the Zionist government, decided to bring civilians into an ongoing military situation. Like, so at the same point, they have a legal right to take responsibility for the people that they brought and put right up against an occupied wall. You know what I mean? That's crazy to me. And then you have settlers who are armed, who even the UN is now pointing out, are roving around and shooting people in the street. This has been reported by pretty much everybody now. You know, and these are occupation forces. It's just not, it's just such a complicated situation, you know, but I think that it's obvious to see from a governmental standpoint, who's in the wrong people's actions. Well, I guess I just don't see it as like one government versus the other. Cause I see it. Well, there's only one government. Higher, yes. That's right. the point. I yeah. see it a higher apparatus. Shop complete. the Hydra. Shop off the right. yeah. Hydra or something. And if you read but, the book, uh, the Milner Fabian conspiracy, it talks a lot about this, that this was the plan, yeah. you know, the yeah. uh, Muslimification of uh, Europe. And mm-hmm. it was to, designed to do this. And yeah. a lot of the, you know, some of the Fabians split between the being Zionist or pro Muslim, but a lot of them chose the Muslim side because it gave them a lot of advantages to be able to execute their plans. And it was more aligned with a lot of their uh, internationalist world order mm-hmm. goals. Uh, but ultimately every, they were pitting them against each right. other. That was, they agreed on that for yeah, sure. Yeah. I think the point is that every religion or every, any position of power, whether it's yeah. in a Christianity or in my, that people will gravitate towards trying to influence control and co-opt and yeah. anything we talk about. Sure. So th- the point is that the people in the Muslim community are trying to manipulate same with the Jewish, same with the Christian. I think that's everywhere, yeah. Yeah, you know, sure. and so we just always have to factor that in, you know? Yeah. So we have, we have examples of us embassy giving Palestinian instructions to go to a certain area, which then gets coordinated and bombed by Israel. This has been acknowledged by even corporate media in the Rafa crossing discussion. We even have this contradiction, which is interesting, where they're claiming that the, uh, the Hamas just bombed the Red Crescent. But then it turns out that even CNN acknowledges that the Red Cross was working with this convoy and told them to go there. And then Israel bombed them. And that's according to CNN and the Red Cross. So it's like you got this in real time blatant lying about what's happening as we can prove they're targeting people that are civilians. I just think that's an important thing to acknowledge. Now, I'm, I'm not going to play this because it's like five minutes and we I want to get some other topics, but I'll include this. And I just think it's important that my point in the beginning was that we can show you that there's a lot of people that are involved on the ground that are very aware of, regardless of how this started, how what's happening is just unprecedentedly mm-hmm. grotesque. But I want to point out that we also have people that are just average people that are posting mm-hmm. online that are like, 
they're they're still kind of in the not in the know it seems, but they're just simply going. I can't believe we're okay killing four hundred civilians to go after a commander like that. Mm-hmm. That is wrong. We all know that's wrong, mm-hmm. and I think people are just starting to see that. You know, Dan Cohen points out that Netanyahu is explicitly rejecting calls for any kind of a ceasefire, even though we have like this is what Zachary Foster points like mm-hmm. literally every group that Matt. I mean, this actually is a longer thread showing them all all of them saying just stop bombing, just stop bombing. That's that's, that's it's it's illegal what's happening, but what he points out is that he won't stop, the ceasefire won't happen until the hostages are freed. And I think this is an important contradiction to highlight, which is, that's already twice been offered. Twice, according to the UN, according to corporate media even, that they offered, I have the Washington Post article that outlines it, Hamas offered to release these hostages. If you gave food to the people on the ground, the UN can do it, so we don't get any of it. They they refused. That's happened twice. And so yet now he's standing up and saying, we won't have a ceasefire until you give us what we've refused twice. That's re and there's no, it's very clear. It's right on the surface. Every platform's covering what they're saying. And you can prove that they've tried to do this more than once. And I just think that's important to understand that, you know, these people don't really want those hostages freed from a Zionist precision. That's my opinion, Mm -hmm. but I don't how, I don't know how else we factor that in. People like this that are going F around and find out Gaza before and after. It's like, okay, isn't that where the hostages are that you're telling us we need before we stop firing? Like these people don't care about them. I don't know how else we wrap our minds around that. I mean, you guys have thoughts on that? It seems this guy, Dr. Eli David. Yeah. He's somebody who was during COVID was my opinion now was sidling up to the people speaking truth about COVID because I, in my opinion, some of these people are willfully ignoring provable things and blatantly lying about the history because they have a side in all this, which mm-hmm. is just sad. I mean, I've, my side is on civilian life, but I think it's one side at this point. Maybe that means I have a bias. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I'm just looking at him. I'm just like, like, that's so gross. Like people like, again, like here, just- well, here he is conflating, you know, he goes, this is not 1938 Berlin. You know, referencing obviously, and this, this is 2023 Berlin. You mean all the people waving Palestinian flags? I don't see a Hamas flag anywhere, right? So he's literally conflating the march of pal- pro-Palestine rallies to Nazis mm-hmm. or or the Holocaust or these conversations, and it's just I I've just seen, don't think I've it's seen a honest. Lot of, uh, like the Babylon Bee's been doing a lot of that lately. Yeah, too, like clips of like you know doing that exact same comparison where it's like if you're if you're pro peace almost then you're exactly. a Nazi. That's like, <laughs> ben, ben Shapiro's called yeah. people terrorists oh, for yeah, advocating yeah. for peace. Oh, and he's yeah. called Jewish. People in the in Congress literally just calling for a ceasefire. He not only called them disgusting, he called them trash, mm-hmm. and said those aren't my people. Like you're literally so now you're denigrating Jews because I'm like I'm this. They've lost the plot on this yeah. whole thing. I mean it's wild. Yeah. Scott says there wasn't an Israeli Zionist entity in 1938. Scott there Ritter. is one today. Hence the protest. But you knew that you're just playing the Holocaust card poorly, polluting the memory of those who lost their lives in in the in the Shoah by using it as a shield to hide the crimes of Israel. Or we have Kim Iverson saying, you're on the wrong side of history, bud. People are not rising up against the Jews. They're rising up for another group of oppressed Semites. Now, I'm not going to say there aren't people. There's always people that are attacking Jewish people or Mm -hmm. black people. There's there's gross people out there that would Mm -hmm. do that for any reason. And they'll take an example like this to go for. I often point out, and we shouldn't forget the groups like, remember Handsome Truth? Do you remember that? Is this ridiculous oh. guy who, by the way, just turned up next to Boneface in Maine, standing there. Really? The guy who was like, I'm not a Nazi. And now here he is pro Nazi. You know? <laughs> but he, he was one of these manipulators online. He's probably around still. Who was out there is. in your going, name the Jew and trying to get these channels oh. to veer towards naming only this one group. And I promise you that person was being paid and influenced sure. by it. That'd be my opinion. Probably but by the ADM. No, I mean, look, there, we can prove that there's manipulation going on, so we shouldn't shy away from it. Let me rapidly go through this. Okay. So one thing I'll include, because Scott made sure to point out, 
it's not something we should shy away from. This is, these are provable facts. Yeah. Okay. Gray zone did a great work job on this as much as I'm highly critical. I think they did a great job on this and same, same with uh, the cradle and a couple other groups. Mondo Weiss had a great article about it. A growing number of reports indicate Israeli forces responsible for some of the Israeli casualties. And what the point is, is you can read this. And, and this was in Mondo Weiss did a great job. And so did electronic intifada. You can literally listen to, I don't think they have the embeds in here on Israeli mainstream radio and mainstream media. I think four different people we can prove on the record spoke up and said, and I think I just have it highlighted right here, for instance. Include they, but they were shelling the houses, including houses with all their occupants inside in order to eliminate the terrorists along with the hostages. That was told directly to Haaretz. There's four people like that. A guy from the concert was saying, oh, we're trying to run back and they shot hostages along with other people. That were, this is all, and they could be lying apparently. That's pretty possible. But we have many examples. The helicopter pilots saying that they were told to fire and they knew some of these cars could have been leaving with hostages in them. And that, I think some of these hellfire bombs took out a car. We see burn people, which Hamas didn't, wasn't capable of, which we can now prove were killed by a missile. So clearly the IDF did kill some of their own people. This is the Hannibal directive. Mm-hmm. The idea that they, on the record, you can look this up, have made, I think it was since, I forget his name now, a general was taken, people were shot because of it, and it made them look bad, or they had to give a bunch of people back and so on. So they now have a directive that says they're going to kill people, including the hostages, so they don't get used against them. That's coming directly from the Israeli government. Scott Ritter spoken on this. My point only being that there's provable evidence that Israel killed their own citizens on the 7th. To what degree? It's debatable, but that's not something we can dismiss anymore. It's been their own people have made this clear, which calls into question in my mind some of these videos you now have where you just simply show people dead. This this guy's been sharing a lot of graphic footage from the peace festival. What could be the Hamas, which I wouldn't dispute, would be shooting civilians, but we also have evidence now that they did themselves. So mm-hmm. all I'm saying is we have to question this stuff. And I want to uh, finish just with the, the point in general. I wanted to play this video to show you what I think a lot of these Zionists really, the mentality behind this. And showing that we have a lot of Orthodox Jews that live in Israel and New London and New York that are often attacked by other Jewish people, like we saw with Ben or Zionist kind of minded people. Here's what this woman said to Orthodox Jews simply holding a Palestine flag and protesting to stop the war. I'm never going to suggest that is everybody's opinion. This is just this one extremist woman's opinion. But she is literally speaking to Orthodox Jews and saying that, first of all, Hitler made one mistake, which is like, okay, clearly he made more than one mistake. So that's an interesting statement. But her point is to set up the sentence that you should have been in the gas chamber. Too bad, but we're still here and you're going to go to hell. That's what she just said twice to two different Orthodox Jews. And this is the Torah Judaism group that often protests, you know, pro-Palestinian stuff, but apparently that's not acceptable. So I just think it adds a different dynamic to the presentation we're getting about what's really going on in all this. Mm -hmm. You know, I just think that's important. And then we've got evidence of this kind of stuff happening where you've got Palestinians who have been released by the IDF who have been tagged with ID numbers. I think that's a little bit too much on the nose. I just think that it's it's, IBM behind that one as well. You know, it's, this is, court, this is from uh, a French press agency, by the way. You know, I mean, it's just, it's... Well, I will just, just to mm-hmm. add to all of this, kind of, I guess to wrap this up, I went down the uh, Star of David rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. This oh, one no. has been, I know, this was really like a very bitter pill for me. 
I, you know, I'm a big fan of Dr. John Coleman's work. And it was like one of the things that he mentions quite often. I'm going to cry. I don't know why it makes me emotional, but it was one of those, like, I've had a lot of these where like my cognitive dissonance goes up and I'm Mm -hmm. like, he's great, but I really disagree with him on this. And uh, I really actually just refused to look at it for a long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did over this past week and there is absolutely no mention of the star of David in the Bible at all. Mm. Um, and there is like a star of Rephim, which looks like is what it's a uh, referencing. And that is in the Torah as a, it's a, a symbol to Moloch. Um, hmm. uh, well, there, no, there's that, a, yeah. there is a mention of Israel in the Bible, right? There and that's is, where that comes yes, from. Absolutely. But, so no star Israel, of David? But there's no star of David. Interesting. What's the implication of that? So the implication, and, and this is the, this is where the, the, conjecture you know theory is that they took the star of Rephram, which does have the pentagram that's mm-hmm. why the um you know the argument is that the six uh points it mm-hmm. creates you know i guess like the pentagram i would have to go through and oh no worries all, i just did. outline all of the comparisons they made i mean the stars are not the same but um i don't so i can't prove that part and i don't know but it, it would make sense that if uh, somebody were you know a uh Satanist that they would invert (laughs) and uh, create something that was, uh, you know, similar, but a deception. But the part that I do know is there is no Star of David. I always picture the as above, so below type of thing, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But that one was really hard for me because, I mean, that means that, you know, this is the symbol that, you know, most Jews use. Mm -hmm. And if you do look, a lot of the, um, you know, Orthodox Jews don't. They have like the letters Mm -hmm. as they don't wear Star of David. Uh, I mean, I'm sure some do, but a lot of them don't. They wear um, the the letters instead. So that's interesting. So, yeah. so obviously, the the impl- the point there that this is not about Zion. What's the the idea is that that's a Zionist manipulation, or is this yeah. undercutting the actual concept of Judaism? A, I think it's a Zionist okay, manipulation. I do. And I it, think to create this uh, emblem that is not that they've attached so much identity to okay. that is it's not referenced in the Bible. I mean, huh. and most, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just naive. I mean, I wasn't raised with a lot of uh, biblical training. So, you know, I, I don't know that, but I don't think I'm alone in that. I think a lot of Jews think that the star of David has biblical meaning. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. Doesn't. Yeah. That's very fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it speaks to the larger point about how, you know, as and I my tube about everything. Well, yeah, well, that's the group I was just. We didn't get it. They didn't show another clip from them. But the Torah Jews, Judaism is their group. They're they're in London, New York, and and Israel, and you know, that's the point. They get beat up by the IDF all the time for protesting. Their main point is that Zionism is a manipulation of Jews, right? Yeah, that it's, it is. It's co-opted Judaism, and they don't know that, and so that well, just I adds mean, more right to the point. Right from the Kazari Mafia, they chose Judaism as a cover. I mean, mm-hmm. the, that part of history is. I think it's considered mainline history. You know, oh, not to Israel you. for sure, and that's the government, right? <laughs> well, uh, the Khazari mafia part, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what the Israeli government says that's, about that's that. That's fascinating, but, though. Yeah. It's, I mean, it really. There's so many of these data points that see. This is my point from the beginning. And there that, are those two phrases in the Bible that do talk about, you know, the Jews that are not Jews, that they are mm-hmm. the synagogue of Satan. Yeah, um, that that is in the Bible. But mm-hmm. this is kind of my point from the beginning that I really do feel like That's this this Testament, has but... opened up this conversation. The mm-hmm. things that we can prove are true, but yet have still been super sensitive. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't want to get into, and people are just willing to consider different points and ask questions. I think that's always healthy, no matter how yeah. much it seems sensitive. I, to some I definitely don't claim to have the answers on any of this, but right. I, I will just say that I, you know, I've, I've started to look at things that before I just would not look at. So yeah. 
So I have compassion for people. I, I just want to say I have compassion for people. This is a difficult subject. Yeah, I think, it is. you yeah. know, it is not easy because people have been fed so many lies. And it is obviously it's a very heightened because there have been genocides, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So people, you know, obviously are very emotional about it and understandably so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, again, it's it's impossible because people yeah. have, are, that's, the, that's the main point is that we're being manipulated by yeah. power structures that, to fight each other. And that's yeah. always, that's always how this works. And, and, and speaking of that, actually, let's, let's get into uh, Scott's part of this conversation. China joins West to talk AI rules amid tech rivalry. Yeah, I just love this because, like, you know, we started off the episode saying, like, oh, we're, we're going to do about 20 minutes on each of our segments. Uh, yeah. and we're all, I know, like, right? Two <laughs> hours in and we're, we're on to segment two, the second 20-minute segment here. So we'll see how this goes. But, yeah, so I don't know. I just thought this was fascinating because, the, you know, I, I listened to the interview with Joe Rogan and Elon Musk this last week, right? And at the end of that interview, I guess they recorded that interview at like on Halloween night, like that night, you know what I mean? And Elon's like, yeah, I actually got to go. I'm going to catch a plane to go to the UK to uh, go to this AI safety conference. And I was like, oh, AI safety conference. Very interesting. And then I saw this thing pop up on Twitter where he was being interviewed by Rishi Sunak, you know, the mm-hmm. prime minister of the UK. And I was Why like- is he interviewing people in the first place? Was, well, he was the one that hosted this, this summit, which it's is really weird, interesting. Yeah. yeah, the whole thing is really interesting. And it really coincides with, with what Courtney's going to talk about, which is so fascinating because yes, we're on, I just see this like verge of AI. Like it's just so fascinating mm-hmm. to watch, you know what I mean? Like in so many different aspects, like- to me, it seems like it could be such a powerful tool for humanity to really level up. Like it could be in the hands of the right people, right? Like let's say we each had the individual power to like generate our own like AI that was our own. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the, the, everybody hates me now for saying this. But yeah. to, me, to me, it seems like, you know, there, there, there's something, there's something there. But, but this, sadly, it just falls into the hands of the wrong people. And I think that this whole safety conference it's oh. so alarming because what we know about these governments and regulatory agencies and everything, they always use safety as an excuse to take away people's right, freedoms hundred percent right. of the time. And so this is no safety exception. And convenience, right? safety and convenience. Yeah. And so that's why that, that's the only lens that I see this whole thing through, you know, when you have people like Rishi Sunak who, um, you know, I listened to the interview that he did with Elon and I'd never really heard a long form, hadn't heard him talk like in long form before. And I was like, okay, he seems like a smart guy. Like I looked into him a little bit. He's like a former Goldman Sachs guy and all this yeah, stuff, you know what I mean? And just like, but he seemed to know what he was talking about in terms of like the engine, like, like computer science, engineering, stuff like that. And I was like, you know, he's not just, you know, he's not some slouch apparently, like mm-hmm. apparently knows what he's talking Knowledge, about yeah. a little bit. So it was really fascinating, but the whole, the confluence of this, 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 this seminar or whatever was really interesting. You know, the fact that they're making a big point of the fact that they'd invited China to come over, mm-hmm. you know, where normally, you know, China's kind of our, our, our rival. And, and this has been presented as like an arms race, right? You know, it's like, you know, we're in this AI arms race with China, but now we're all going to sit down at the table together, which is an interesting dynamic. I think that's always what is actually yeah. going on, yeah. especially yeah. in the tech world. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then of course, uh, you know, we all know that like uh, Elon's now positioning himself to be the, <laughs> the AI, AI savior, king, the AI king, so savior, you know, which is really fascinating too. Yeah. But um, it was just such an interesting contrast to see him go from like, you know, I thought it was a pretty robust conversation with Rogan. I'm not the biggest Rogan fan in the world or whatever. I've got plenty of issues with him or even the biggest Elon fan, but I thought their conversation was, you know, robot has some really good points. You know, it's fascinating um, because these people are on the forefront of just oh, so many developing, like rapidly developing things, you mm-hmm. know, and then to hear him have that conversation then with Sunak, it was just very contrasting because then it felt like he was more playing than like, he was like, just playing along with the globalists basically like these global entities that are like kind of trying to take our freedoms away and it was really kind of weird and unsettling but (laughs) um the other really funny part that i thought about it was um you know the u.s sent a representative to represent the u.s in this very high level 
um, conversation about the future of technology. You know who that representative was? Who? It was Kamala Harris. You oh, guys. that's oh right. God. That's right. So uh. the whole when thing. I think technology, yeah. technological expert Kamala yeah. Harris definitely. Comes yes, exactly. What did she just yeah. do? She said like one. No, that was the Ron thing. But she said something really dumb about AI, didn't she? Just something. Recently? Well, was, she, like, I forget what it was. It was a clip where she just said something like my. What jumped into my mind was like, "What do you have to say, Ron? Don't." Yeah. What a stupid right. thing to yeah. say! But she said something yeah. just like that with yeah, AI. We're all like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Right? Like her her presentation at the conference, was like AI has the pre- has the pro- possibility I, of being very that. good. That's what it was. Yeah, I, yeah. Is that but, the one you sent me? Let's but, play yeah, it. But AI also has the possibility of being very bad. I'm like, thank okay, you, S- Sesame Street AI. Thanks, Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Jeez. Can we replace you with AI, please? Yeah. Like, tomorrow, please. Should I play it? Yeah, now? play it. Play yeah, it. Play it. Play it. it. Play I it. think it. It. AI has the potential <laughs> to do profound good. Yes. It also looks has around the to cause profound harm. <laughs> From AI enabled cyber attacks at a scale beyond anything uh, we've seen attacks. before to AI formulated bioweapons that could endanger Which the lives what working on. of yeah. millions yeah. of people. These threats are often referred to as the existential threats of AI, because of course they could endanger the very existence of humanity. These threats without question are profound and they demand global action. I firmly believe that we uh, must be guided done. by a I, What I think is hilarious yeah, is that yeah. she's so enamored with yeah. her own perceived intelligence. Yeah, yeah. She thinks, yeah. I just, don't Are you, you love yeah. yeah. Right, right. That's the best part where she's like, it could be bad, right? <laughs> Everyone, we're on the yes. same page, right? <laughs> or it's <laughs> or good. good. And it's, it's very just, profound. It's just so funny. You know, she, she treats people like they're in kindergarten. It's profound how profound it is. You know who usually yeah. does that? People who aren't that smart. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. Like, you, you know, you're projecting that yeah. you're so superior that we have to talk down to everybody. Uh, she's, she's so bad. Yeah, but it's just, you know, I don't, uh, I don't trust governments or any of these things to, to institute the type of protections that would be needed to, oh, to save. He, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I somewhat, to a certain degree, believe in some of these existential type of threats. You know what I mean? Oh, in a yeah. very, like, extreme ma- manner. You know what I mean? If you really extrapolate the possibility of what these systems could create, you know, eventually mm-hmm. if – it's really crazy or, or not necessarily like a lot of the, the arguments presented in the sense that it's like a sentient thing, right. but I don't think consciousness can be created mm-hmm. artificially. Like that's just my personal belief. Yeah. And uh, so I don't think that, that will ever be achieved, but it can have the perception that it is like right. yeah. super yeah. intelligent, but it'll never have like that spark of like, you know, creation but or spark of consciousness. Could be really but, dangerous. But, but exactly. But, that, uh, but also at this pretend that it's, you know, we have to listen to the AI as they're inputting but, what they want. But to at come the same out. time, yeah. it's like the future of it's talking about like taking jobs is one of the mm-hmm. other concerns yeah. they're talking about. Right. But, but to me, it's like, you know, what the future of human jobs are going to be like the ones that, that are providing the input. AI is still a computer system where it requires an input in order to generate an output. Right. Mm-hmm. So like the, the future, People will go to college to learn, you know, how to interact with an AI and provide the proper inputs in order to achieve the desired output. You know mm, what I'm saying? Right, and so right. it's going to be interesting. Different, different job fields. Yeah. Be well, different, but that it's, might but, be a good time to play that uh, video of the Pentagon's view of 2045. Yeah, but we but then, but, okay. but the last thing I was just going to say on that is that is that's like so that's where the existential threat comes from is where yeah. you have forces that are providing, uh, you know, malicious input. You know, so that's that's not necessarily like the AI taking over and becoming sentient and and running amok, but it's more so like like entities who don't have humanity's best interest at heart, yeah. or even like entities like Google that don't have humanity's best interest at heart, like using this technology mm-hmm. to run amok on everybody else. That's my biggest yeah. problem, though. Right? Yeah. Is that see, I see I see it going two ways. Is you have 
like my first of all, just to aggressively disagree with you from the beginning, okay. is that I, I just don't see a world in which this cannot end up like that. Yeah. Because we're like, this is the problem, like, like the other conversation, you know, we're starting in a position where you've got people in control acting like the altruistic ones that are never going to do this the right way or any power structure. Like yeah. if you allow this kind of power, it'll end up in the people's hands at some point that will yeah. abuse it. And I just, I just don't see but, how it can go forward or it ends up being the AI that takes over the world. Yeah. Or it could be like those videos that we played a, a few episodes ago where the AI becomes like ex machina or like a Terminator. Right. We decide that they have to eradicate humans at all. Which seems like a fair point to make. They want, yeah. <laughs> they want to be yourself. property. But you, know, you know, what's really fascinating too about this is that like, you know, I, I remember when I was a kid, like in the night, like mid nineties, you know, my dad was an engineer and worked at a computer company and like we got a we had like a personal computer and had like dsl internet like probably before anybody i knew i was on the internet as like an eight nine-year-old kid like mm-hmm. going into like irc chat rooms learning about where's downloading like writing like i was like a little hacker type guy right yes. and i've been like in kind of peripherally like in the hacker world like for a while like not in a black hat malicious sort of way but it <laughs> fascinates me yeah. yeah you know and that's always kind of been the culture where it's like you know you have the white hats the black hats and it's like mm-hmm. almost like an arms race together so it's like however far they push there, there's always going to be a subculture of, of, you know, hacker type people, whether sure. they're being malicious or not, like counteracting everything. And it's just always this kind of just competitive thing that happens. And so it's very interesting when you look at it from that context, it's like, you know, these tools are available. So, you know, the more they, they, cr- the more it gets created out there mm-hmm. into the world, people in the hacker world are going to take up that technology and, and they could possibly counter it. You know what I mean? It's, like, it it's, just, good. it's yeah. just like, it's, yeah, it's a really it's, cool thing. It, it comes Honestly. down to this. It's, it's, I guess the core question that comes to my mind when you make that point is, yeah. is it, is it a foregone conclusion? Mm-hmm. Cause it's the same kind of argument you can make about with like arms race, like the good analogy for yeah. it. Right. Mm-hmm. So before there was ever a gun, gunpowder or munitions of any yeah. kind, the question at that point, if it was even possible to stop that from ever happening, the question would have been, do we not allow it or do we allow it? And then just make sure good people also have guns. It's the same yeah. kind of game. Right. Yeah. So if that's right, my opinion would be if it's actually possible, which I think it's clearly not that we just stop this from happening. No, that yeah. seems like the way to go. But you're right, though. If it's going to happen, inevi- it's inevitable. The, the argument would be that we need to have people that understand it, that can use it to fight back. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. That seems like a, that makes me stress out. Just even thinking about it. <laughs> well, I, I would. Argue that, yeah. Go. No, thanks. I think one of the things that we really uh, when we get to my section, I think one of the things we need to do is American is there needs to be all sorts of legislature. I mean, I think the UN should not have started. We should not have entered it. Mm. We should dismantle it. But if that doesn't happen, what we really need to do in America is not enter into that AI treaty. Exactly. That is like... That's interesting. Oh, what if, what to if, me, what that if, is really like a hill I think we need to die on. What if, so, this, what if they're intentionally... Like the the government and everything, like they're intentionally just making themselves look like such foolish idiots, so that they can then make the argument. Oh, let's just replace all of it with AI, right? That was a fair point. Well, they've already said they're going to replace elections with AI. Yeah, yeah. The treaty is an interesting conversation, though, right? Because well, first, there's plenty of treaties, like like the nuclear treaty that Israel just doesn't sign, nobody cares. Like, but they can just not be a part of it, but they'll still kind of guide where it goes. But also, just that hypothetically let's just say they don't sign it mm-hmm. does that how would that ever play out because it's the point is it's still going to go they're still going to work and build and so it's like if they don't yes sign it is no, that more dangerous or less dangerous see i don't i mean i obviously don't have the ball but hi- yeah. hypothetically i think because what we do still have are alliance power block structures mm-hmm. so i think ideally we don't enter we talk to our quote-unquote allies about not entering 
and creating, you know, more of a decentralized system because really they're using AI as an excuse to bring this, you right. know, yeah. they call it the age of the the new age of global enlightenment. But they're really it's really that they're bringing the one world government through AI. That that's mm-hmm. what they're trying yeah. to push. So, yep. and I, I, the point you made before, I think, is the final is the main part of it. But then using it as if it's essentially an all knowing being when it's really just them driving it. Yeah, so, so that's exactly. like this perfect little Wizard of Oz scenario they're creating totally. right in front of us right now. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. It's really terrifying. I, I just think that the the whole sick the treaty part of it is. So I guess the positive look on that would be that if they didn't sign it and they advocate that nobody does. There are still people that will use it bad ways, but hopefully it'll be decentralized to the point to where it's not some well, all-encompassing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I see. And it's not the governing body over us. Yeah. Right. I get so it. We don't subscribe. We're not necessarily beholden to their laws. Yeah, that their makes sense. Policies and um, yeah, I don't know. I do. You have more stuff though. No, I we, think I, think that's pretty I, much I it, mean, yeah. if you want to go through some of it, there is. So, we have, we yeah, have they the have a bill of rights. Yep. This is hers. Oh, well, I just, these were things I thought you sent in general, but so we we have the, on on that same quote poll, we've already talked about these as well. This is the 2022 Mm -hmm. AI Bill of Rights. We covered this on on the daily wrap up, Mm -hmm. but then there's also the new discussion came out on the 30th, the fact sheet, which is terrifying. President Biden issues executive order on safe, secure, and trustworthy artificial intelligence. And that's, I think when she came out and and did this or was this, oh yeah, three days ago. And, and so really it's about kind of laying out the groundwork and read some of this stuff. It's terrifying. I mean, it's, it talks about like, I mean, it's just everything AI generated. Oh, there's one part that I actually did cover on the show on this, which was about the deep fake part of it, Mm. protecting Americans from AI enabled fraud and deception by establishing standards. And it gets into this, and I don't even know that's the right one, but it gets into this whole point about where, you know, clearly they're going to be the ones controlling like this deep fake yeah. apparatus. And it's like, and they're even outlining it now. Like we need to know how to use like them to be able to. we didn't think it was already happening. Right. But now we're telling you, oh, don't worry. We're going to protect you from it. Which is exactly my point. It's like, so they come out and say, we need to get ahead of this deep fake thing. It's like five, 10 years too late, right? We're already like well past. years too yeah, late. Yeah, it's like clearly this is happening. So my point is, why haven't we already seen this deep fake onslaught? It's because these are the kind of people that actually do that. Exactly. And they're, they're getting ready. Like it's coming because yep. we're about to start it, you know? Yep. <laughs> it's exactly. Terrifying. And then you had just thrown in the AI summit yeah. Wikipedia sure. page. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we can translate, transition that into your your focus on the AIWS which discussion? is the world society. Yeah. Wow. So they're, they're calling it for a better world with AI. What it is, is the age of global enlightenment. Uh, so they, this, they, there's a book um, and Michael Dukakis along with, uh, mm. I'm going to butcher the beginning of the, the names, but Tuan is the last name um, I have written. And this was written in, I think 2019 came out in 2020, but very few people are really talking about it. And what it is, is they call it the uh, centennial of the 100. So they're calling it UN 100. Mm. And so this, they're trying to imagine what the world is going to be in 2045. And they imagine a world that is essentially what it looks like run by AI. Um, so some of the things that they're doing, they had a summit on uh, rebuilding Ukraine. So I think this is very relevant because of obviously all the war tensions uh, and they even talk about that. They talk about, you know, Ukraine being devastated by war and that we need to rebuild it. Of course, didn't Biden just ask for like a one and done something crazy, hundred billion dollars. Mm-hmm. I think got changed, like added 105. Then he's like, well, no, we'll add it to Israel also. And um, <laughs> by the way, yeah. just since you mentioned that, I, I, I was just going to include this before that yeah. Biden asked for wherever the hell it was. 
arms deals with Israel now to be completely done in secrecy. Oh. What in the F, man? Yeah. Like, that, that's so crazy. And yeah. even, even people in the State Department, this guy who resigned in protest because he's like, this is genocide. So I've never seen anything like this. I, whether it's Israel or anybody else, how is that not dis- dishonesty? Sorry, I didn't mean to derail. No, Go ahead. I think that's crazy. Transparency. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I am not for the secrecy of any of it. I right. know they argue that they have to be secrecy in order secrecy to protect us, but I think that's just a cover for the. I, I don't. <laughs> um, I think that the public can handle it, and if yeah. they can't, you know, then they need to go live, you know off the grid somewhere um which maybe that's what we all need to do i don't know um but yeah so they've written this age of global enlightenment which just you know what does that sound like it sounds like the age of the new order or the Mm -hmm. uh you know age of the new underground world order or the new world order or the great reset really it's all the same you know but this is couched in like a uh, kind of a uh, new age meets AI type of language. Scary. And it's really scary. And yes, they do have a bill of rights. They have a, they have, they're calling for AI government. This is what I'm saying is, uh, so yeah, this is the AI rights. So the AI bill of rights outlines and delineates all the things that we have to subscribe to. And of course, this is the UN who is putting it forward. This is why I'm saying, I think as Americans, we should not enter because when they talk about the AI government, that that's essentially going to be a controlling body. And, you know, back to Ukraine, that what they want to do is make Ukraine the hub. So it's mm. going to be this major, like, centralized hub. And then it's going to be connected to all of these other smart cities. And it'll be essentially that the Hyborg mind will be located in Ukraine. Um, so they're, when they're talking about an AI government, I think it's really these people are now who have been buying for world governance and a world governing body mm-hmm. are now pushing for it to be an AI world government. Interesting. Um, what, and, it, what, what, it, what if it turns out to be a, a the very first network meshing is Lahaina, East Palestine, Pal- Palestine, Syria, like all these, all these destroyed in weird circumstances that all, you know, it's, it's interesting, right? All these destroyed to rebuild. I'm kind of making a joke, but well, no, the idea no, being I think the there's thing. a lot of validity yeah, to that because they keep thing. saying how a lot of these cities that they've destroyed right. are designated which is weird, by the way, 15 minute cities. Um, and Gaza is one of them. Yeah. So, or just all of Israel. Like, what if Israel becomes the central part of this to be like, you know, we need to rebuild to let us control the right. outcome of it, which wouldn't surprise me at all, right? I, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. They're definitely looking to create all of these smart cities that are connected to one centralized smart city, which is out of Ukraine. Um, and uh, yeah. There's I, even the weird Zionist overlap with Ukraine that Vanessa Bealy brought up, that there's just theories that she does see some evidence for, but that she's not saying is necessarily happening, but well, that, that they might try to just be like, in the worst of circumstances, let's re- move Israel to, to Ukraine. To Ukraine. And I, I think there is an interesting case to be made. So, and this, I think, unfortunately, does tie to the Kazarians because um, one of the things that I really, really hate <laughs> is a lot of people conflate Kazarians with Ashkenazis. Mm-hmm. So the if you're going to even subscribe to this line of thinking, you have to understand that the argument is just Genetic, and that makes it a false argument because the Kazarians genetically, while they did set up shop in U- in what would now be called Ukraine, that seems to be one of the, the bases that they made uh, for themselves. However, their genetic lineage would be traced to Turkey. Uh, Ashkenazis are not Turkish. They're mm. Eastern European. Um, so there is definitely a de- genetic distinction there. And I, I think a lot of people are trying to conflate the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that is just a bone of contention for me personally. Uh, but if it's you do, important difference, it is a very important difference. 
uh, and it's an important distinction. So mm -hmm. the but if you do trace this uh, Kazarian lineage, which of course we know there's a lot of evidence to indicate that the Rothschilds were the Bowers who were connected to this Kazarian mafia, then yes, they did set up a kind of a headquarters in Ukraine for a while. Um, you know, I don't know if the headquarters quite the right word, but you know they they set up a base there, and it would make sense for them to now try and uh, if. Re relocate and redirect there but either way whether you look at it that way or not it, it does look like they're trying to make ukraine a very much a, a like a headquarters for this ai world society um don't, for, don't forget they were the first state they at least they claimed that met all the world economic forum yeah. metrics way in like in the middle of an invasion which made no sense hey, jacob uh, jacob in the chat says you can't spell ukraine without ai they, well, yeah, that, that, that is true. Here's that an interesting true. point, by the way, that just since this comes up, you, yeah. you mentioned the Ashkenazi and the, you know, the difference there, which is important. Yeah. Not that this necessarily has to connect, but I think it's important to reiterate because this got buried by, interestingly enough, calling RFK anti-Semitic before he went on his massive pro-Israel tour, which now he's tellingly very quiet about because mm. not a good subject. But it, this was the, the point was that he was claiming, which was backed up by this peer-reviewed study. It's not claiming, it was a fact, which is that Ashkenazi Jews specifically were were less susceptible to whatever we're calling COVID-19 mm -hmm. per this study anyway, for those that okay. argue it's not real fair point, but it's just simply saying the Amish and Ashkenazi Jews did not have the specific variant ACE2 gene, right. which made them like the least out of everyone they tested susceptible, right. which is interesting. You know, just to point out the bioweapon overlap is, are, is we know that both China and the U.S. are working so on. The so Israel this, did work on. Well, the Amish have a similar genetic profile actually to Ashkenazi, but Dude. really what that was was the uh, K2R6 line is what they're talking about. Um, and that is, it's not just Ashkenazi. It really is about right. the KR26 line. Right. So, but the point in the yeah. study was that Ashkenazi and Amish were the two that they stood out in their study. My mm -hmm. point was just simply that's yeah. an interesting genetic overlap with yeah. the conversation. But really we, just that we know that Israel also worked on ethnic weapons with South apartheid South Africa. But sure. that all of them have worked on these things. So it's just an interesting point. You know, that, yeah, that may play it, a factor it as it goes forward. Uh, Dr. Lee and I have actually covered this in like several episodes. And it mm -hmm. really is about the KR2. I'm I, I, I always reverse the numbers. I don't know if it's KR26 or K26R, uh, but it's, it's something like that. I'll have to go back and verify. Um, but it, it's that specific line genetically that made them less susceptible to the ACE2 uh, binding. Um, but yeah, I do remember that. So if you look through this book, it's like a 200 something page, almost 300 page book uh, that Michael Dukakis just celebrated his 90th birthday they sent out a whole thing about, you know, all these plans that they're doing for this. It's, it's in conjunction with the Boston Global Forum. Mm -hmm. And the language is very much like a lot of the, it's all about like AI citizen. So they're creating. Oh, that, is that the book you were referencing? Yeah. Oh, okay. So making sure. This book, mm -hmm. uh, the AI citizen, they talk about, you know, this is 17 sustainability goals. Mm -hmm. and they talk about DEI. They talk about uh, ESG. Uh, and so. So this is why I say I think it's one of the things that I want Americans to be aware of. Mm -hmm. And if we are going to opt out of anything, I think it is one of the things we really should not and engage and enter. Yeah, um, I because agree. they they want to use that as an excuse <clears throat> for us to then be part of this global government. Well, and the, the obvious point, it probably doesn't need to be said for our audiences, or no. is that that then will necessitate by 
like almost in reverse, the mm. need for a digital ID and social yeah. credit and all these different things that we're acting like aren't happening, but they're going to be like, well, now we need them. Otherwise the system won't work. Exactly. And, and know, they're talking they about that. They talk about essentially, they don't use the word social credit, but they talk about that in this book. You have having to. That. I mean, how else do you yeah. grade people using the AI system? The system has to be able to do that. Yeah. You know? They use which different they language, but yeah. that's essentially what they're saying. Which they already um, are, which we know, right? That's, right. It's not oh. just the credit cards. It's happening for oh, everything. For sure. For sure. I don't know if you want to play the, the Pentagon mm -hmm. imagining uh, 2045 because that's a they're essentially talking about and we know this is what the Internet of Things connected to the Internet of Bodies was all about mm -hmm. is they're trying to do away with things like keyboards that we're just going to have and there's Ugh. so many WEF uh, videos showing this where these right. uh, quote unquote experts talk about how we're just going to be able to have neural interface we played them on the show i think right yeah. we played the one about the scarf we played the one yeah. where that the wi-fi one we just played that yeah. how creepy that was that he's like they can literally read your thoughts or yeah. ugh, god this i this is the point we've always brought up this stuff if we're being shown now it's already happening it's already and that happening. scares me to think about what's already but being I done think to what's us interesting about the pentagon is because this to me this ties this all full circle mm -hmm. because the pentagon is right like DARPA is tied to the Pentagon. That's really where a lot of this technological advancement would be coming out of. Mm -hmm. And they're all tied to this larger military industrial apparatus. And I, you know, I talk about the triple MIC. So it's the military industrial complex, the mm -hmm. medical industrial yeah, complex, right. and then the media industrial Ooh, complex. Yeah. And what do we have? We have the uh, big pharma funding, the military mm -hmm. industrial complex, and all the research that then gets weaponized against us. And then we have the media industrial complex who's selling us all these narratives to mm -hmm. justify, you know, whatever their plans are. And I just think, you know, it's not, to, to me, it really is this bigger apparatus that's fomenting all of this because they want to push this agenda. I agree. And that's really where they're trying to go. And of course, if we have a war, they have an excuse to rebuild, right? Like rebuilding Ukraine was one of their, you know, symposiums. They have an excuse to, uh, give us a, a solution that's going to be so great because now AI can save the day. They're going to, we don't have to worry about the fact that we're economically, uh, financially devastated because mm -hmm. now we have a whole new system that's going to save us. We have, you know, the fact that we're uh, emotionally and physically drained and all our resources have been drained. Well, now we have a virtual world that we can just tap right into. Uh, yeah. I, I, I hope this isn't what happens, but I, yeah. I can very clearly see this is the picture they're trying to paint. I agree. I agree. And I, I really hope we can also, you know, just as we always do question everything. I agree with you. I think that makes the most sense. Yeah. But stand back and wonder whether because we're doing this, which I do think we have more of an effect as just the independent media than we yeah. realize on the outcome, that whether or not that might be the plan that was and that now the things have shifted in the direction of oh, yeah. the plan, you know, and be ready for that. You know, it's not sure. always just because I think this happens a lot in this field where we kind of get stuck as like, you know, like it, it happens both ways where all of a sudden we act like oil is no longer the thing that wars are about. Well, it is still, but it's other things too. You know, you just got to keep an open mind about where this may go because as we know, there are multifaceted great, plans laid out. I think know? great example of that is Ukraine, right? Mm -hmm. They right. really, and I actually think it is the independent media that derails a lot of those plans. You know? I, yep, I agree. Uh, you had a lot of people supporting the current thing and holding up their sign who yeah. they support, but you had a lot of people saying, wait, I think, yeah. the majority, yeah. I think the majority from the very beginning, and I think that we've been in a time, that's my opinion, but I've been yeah. saying it for a long time, but I think we're at a point now where that's already like with this, with the, what's going on in Israel, Palestine, with Ukraine yeah. or any of them, Lahaina, where people are just kind of like getting bombarded with, this is what we're all thinking. And we're like, yeah. that's not true. Do you think that? Like, yeah. it was like, that's right. not real. And we're starting to see the outlines of the manipulation. It makes me happy to see, you know, yeah. I was going to ask you in general, did you yeah. want to make some comments on this video or should we just end with it? 
Maybe we'll just end with it. Okay. Yeah, I don't really have it's kind right. of self-explanatory. That's going to play us out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Because right. yeah. it's, it's you know we're, yeah. we're good at about two hours. I think yeah. it's Ooh. been a good conversation. Beautiful. And yeah. you know, and I I will I want to reiterate too something I think is super important is that you know we we obviously have different opinions on all sorts of different things, really? and I think it's so important that we're first able to have yeah. these conversations as much as they can get emotional in any other circumstances because we care about these things, but that we can walk away amicably and, you know, and then hopefully, as we always point yeah. out, coming to some new distilled reality understanding yeah. and, you know, considering other perspectives. Yeah. It's just, this is so, and this is why I think you guys believe in what we're doing here because so many, so few people actually care about that, let alone do it, you know? So, true, so true. honored to be here with you with both yeah, of you. So. You, too, you too, you too. Um, yeah, I mean, you, uh, you want to shout something out? Well, I just, well, yeah, I just figured just like uh, end of show plugs type of stuff. Yeah, right? go for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, well, I was going to say, apparently, ChatGPT says there is no credible evidence to suggest. ChatGPT, this guy. I know, but hey, well, listen, well, listen, listen, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the hunt, right? There's no credible evidence to suggest that the Amish or any specific group for that matter created the COVID virus, which leads me to believe that they probably had something. To do. So I'm going to be looking into this. I'll be the reverse. The next week, because if they say it's not true, then it probably is true. So I'm going to be right. looking into that. I'll report back on that. But in the meantime, you can find me at libertylinks.io forward slash rebunked, all my work, all my stuff. And then the week after that, we'll be going into a cyborg transition yes. as he goes into the AI yes. world. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you want anything else to shout out before we go? <laughs> sure. CourtneyTurner.com. It's like Courtney, so C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y-T-U-R-N-E-R.com. And uh, we have just updated the Rebels for Cause page right. um, because we are seeking sponsors and any donations. We have received some already, so we really, really appreciate that. We do want to Ooh. make that happen pretty soon. So, yeah. Cool. Outstanding. Out. Well, we'll include that for you guys. Make sure you check out and follow. I think we've got plenty more coming on that, right? More cause. Oh, yeah, yeah. Events. Definitely. Outstanding. We, we just did a, a thing with uh, Stu Peters. I talked about uh, why we're doing it. You know, I, I kind of went through a very, very brief overview of the history of propaganda as it pertains to the arts. You know, he knows well. He's very, he's very educated. On that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but I think this was a great conversation, guys. Yeah. I really do. I just value this so much. And so thank you both for being here. And thank, thank you all you. for tuning in. And we have plenty more coming, more plans, lots more coming forward. And still at the moment, if you want to support us, make sure you do so on our individual platforms until we get something set up just for Pirate Stream. Yeah. And thanks for tuning in. Yeah. See you next time, guys. Oh, wait. Oh, I almost forgot the video. They know I do that. I do that every time. Play it. Here it is. Play it.